Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the XNC Podcast, your Xbox newscast featuring Cold Eastwood, hosting industry interviews and gaming talk live on YouTube every Monday night at 5 p.m. on the West Coast, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. For all of you listening around the world, XNC Podcast is available on demand on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the show. Join the chat, hit the like button, and let's get into this week's topics with the XNC Podcast live. Hey, how you doing? Happy Monday. This is the XSC Podcast. I'm so glad to be here, and gaming news has never been more fierce. And I'm so excited to talk about what's going on and the misinformation out there in the streets about what's going on technically and legally and business-wise, and everyone's putting on their crazy hats. I've got some excellent guests here tonight that are going to talk about exactly what's going on in the best way possible. I am so excited to welcome back a good friend of mine, from Game On Daily and the Go Live podcast and the sauce. Gaz. Say hi. <laughs> hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I literally came speeding, breaking all kinds of... Uh, I came here in a moderate speed, <laughs> acceptable levels to make it to this show after filming a sauce skit. So thank you so much for inviting me again. It's always an honor and a pleasure. And doubly get involved with a real lawyer, Hoglaw. Thank you so much uh, for gracing us with your presence. It's not my show. Why am I saying thank you so much? I'm on host mode. I love you, Hog. I love you. <laughs> hey, I accept welcomes from anyone. So other guests, <laughs> hosts, random passersby. It's absolutely fine. Oh man, it's good. It's going to be a great show. Can't wait to get involved in this. So- yeah, it's so it's so good to have Richard Hogue back from virtual legality on YouTube and his his lawyer place yes <laughs> he, he runs Hog place. law the yeah, his lawyer his lawyer places yes the lawyer but places. Hogue law is also on season gaming's podcast where he yep. is a regular panel member bringing his expertise it's so good to have you back here on a second time we're going to talk about a lot of stuff say hello to the chat how you doing i'm doing great i'm excited to talk about some fun stuff it has been a crazy week month and year in both video games and ironically enough corporate law and transactions in the video game space. So I've had an absolute ton to talk about, and that's a lot of fun for me. And we try to make it fun in virtual legality. Some people think we can't make things like mergers and acquisitions <laughs> fun, but we can. Uh, so thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to talking with you. 
Yeah, I mean, you do. You really do. Listening to your videos, like it's it could be some really crazy stuff that could go way over people's heads. I love the way that you present your information. I love the energy you bring to it, and you're a gaming fan, which just makes it such a bonus. We're glad to have both of you back on here. And shout out to the uh, mods. We got Boss Mod Lethal Papa, Udonic Kizada, Happy Bomb. They're checking out the chat. Make sure everything's good to go. Let me uh, give a shout out to the channel veterans. We've got Ricky Fallon, Zenner White, Poochie Wolf Assassin, DeBlue, Davari, Vault Lines Wreak Havoc, Fox Storytelling, Ronnie Coots, Gaz. Gaz, why are you on there? Dark CMF, <laughs> Betamax, Dante Moody, Alex Wilson, Lord Star Killer, Robert Jackson, Gamer McFly, Assassin Lupa, Nano Polymyth, Suicide King, Yodana Kizada, Phil, KY Bob, William Lanza, and Matt Burns. These are people who have supported the channel as channel members for uh, about 10 months to even longer. So it's been really incredible. They so get Gav a, is supporting his own appearance here. Is that what I'm hearing right he, now? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's trying to boost his own numbers, I think. That's what it <laughs> yeah. is. <laughs> but yeah, we really appreciate it. You you get the custom emoji uh, along with the colored name in the chat. Usually, when you get like a green colored name when you when you leave comments. But anyway, it's it's great. I could put down the uh, the channel member emojis. They're pretty fun. They're all kind of Xbox and gaming related. But thank you so much for supporting the channel. If you want to join the channel membership, you can do that. You don't have to if you're just here and want to hit the like button and support what we do on the show. That makes a big difference. And we're ready to get into. Uh, the gaming news, but I've got to ask, Gaz, um, you play Apex Legends, but tell us what's something different that you've been playing lately. I have finally, after God knows how many years, finally played Red Dead Redemption 2, and I am astounded by it. I didn't want, I didn't play it. I held off playing it because a lot of people, and rightly told me, it's a slog, slow burn. It's like... What's slow? Turtle semen through peanut butter kind of slow. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. But, I mean, that's okay to say. Uh, but it was... It is, but I am astounded by the attention to detail in this game. Rockstar, just take it to another level. And I just... I thought I would really have issue with the clunky and 30 frames per second. Um, I'm playing on Series X, but... The story has gripped me. I care about characters so much. The dialogue is on Hollywood levels. It's just an amazing. So I've been playing that. Uh, just playing that. Welcome and I've been playing Apex Legends. <laughs> yeah, 2018. It's an old game. But I've been playing that. Yeah, it's been a great, great, great time. Good. It's about time. Such a sin that you hadn't tried it out. Uh, Hogue, what have you been playing? That's uh, an interesting recount to tell us what you've been playing. You know, I haven't gotten a ton of time to play in the last couple of days, but when I have, I've been playing a game on Game Pass called Chinatown Detective Agency, uh, which nice. I would de- which I would describe as a neo noir, old school Carmen San Diego game. Uh, if you can oh. even remember or have a reference point for what that series was, it used to be an edutainment module that you would occasionally be allowed to do if you finish your math test early in elementary school. Uh, which was a PC game that came with uh, essentially an almanac. And there would be something that says the criminal is in the country in Europe that has the most people living in it, whatever it might be. And you'd go figure out what that is. You'd, f- you'd chase him down in this particular game. It's uh, very similar. It's actually got more of a story. It's, it's as I said, it's kind of cyberpunk noir, uh, but you're still left with 
Okay, here's a picture of a stamp and one word that you can read. Go figure out what country and city it came from uh, and track down who it belongs to and that kind of thing. And it doesn't put it in the game. Much like Carmen Sandiego back in the day, you're supposed mm-hmm. to research it on the internet uh, and figure that out, which is fantastic. The only problem with it is if you're too specific about your request, you accidentally find yourself in the walkthrough to Chinatown detective agencies. So you have to be very kind of going around the edges to make sure that you're not specifically getting the answer to the game you're playing instead of researching some overall kind of global stuff. Uh, but so it is a lot of fun. It's well-written and uh, it's on Game Pass, so I didn't pay extra for it. Yeah, it's oh. one of those that uh, tricks you into learning. Uh, Hargit Chani in the chat also has been playing. I've been talking to him while he's been playing this game. I have no idea. But when you say, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I know how you're dating how old both of us are because that game was brand new when I played it on the PC at school. And like sure. the teacher would say, if you got stuff done early, you go over. And I think there was two games on that computer, and one of them was where in the world is Carmen San Diego. And I don't remember having any fun with it, but there I played. I got to read a chat from Hargy. He says, two lawyers ganging up on Colt. Hey, guys, PS- <laughs> PlayStation is a monopoly. Of course, he's joking. We're going to talk about that later. There was a, quite a debate about what a monopoly is. We're going to okay. get into that. Of course, and Yodana Kizada, who's also a mod and a channel member, says, Can Gaz and Asa change the name of their site to dlcondaily.com? Here's where the Messing. sauce stain and <laughs> mocking the bad legal takes. Um, let, let's get into that really quick. There was a some of us who, who observe Easter here uh, were also a, uh, an audience to a crazy, dramatic. Console war, fiery storm. Okay, okay, one second. Sorry, you celebrate Easter. Oh, are you Jewish? No, no. I uh, I was having Easter with the family yesterday. Okay, so okay, I was hoping you were Jewish because then you had a Muslim, Christian, and a Jew. On, I apologize on, on, for disappointing you. Damn it! Oh, for God's sake, just the wrong religion. We got a little bit of everybody everywhere in the chat. Well, we got it covered. But uh, for those of you who are spending time with family, I guess really is what I'm saying. There was like this fierce console war going on because David Jaffe, the creator of the God of War and, and Twisted Metal, uh, said that God of War Ragnarok to him uh, looks like DLC, but he also said it looks fantastic. I share some he loves of the firebombs, doesn't he? David Jaffe loves really firebombs. He really does. Did you see this thing unfold? No. Hogan? This is news to me. All right. Oh, uh, I'm going to have. What the hell? Are you been living under a rock, Hogan? <laughs> you said it happened yesterday. I was, I was, it was Easter. I wasn't on oh, Twitter. Yeah. You're, you're a normal person. <laughs> Let's be honest. Us saddos living on the internet. <laughs> okay. Before, before I'm going to have Gaz kind of paint the picture, picture sure. for those of you in the chat who may miss it. Not everybody's on Twitter, right? Like I was with my family. And so I try to keep my phone holstered when I'm around family. I don't do a very good job, but there was a moment when I went over in the other room and I, and I played this video clip and I was like, trying to listen to what was going on and all oh, i heard was yeah, a bunch yeah, of yelling yeah. oh, so i kind of missed it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i had i had just that little speaker like going right into my ear hole so gaz tell the chat tell hogue what in the heck yeah. happened this weekend well hogue and chat um this is ridiculous really let's be honest david jaffe in, I don't know if it's a meta commentary or he's just it's his extension of his brilliant personality but he has 
content that can sometimes be inflammatory in its title, but it belies the depth of what and sincerity of what he says. So he looked at the latest teaser trailer for God, God of War Ragnarok, and he said, it looks good. It looks more like DLC for the first game, which was great anyway, because he loved the 2018 game, but it just feels like, based on a very brief teaser, feels like it's a iterative DLC almost. He didn't mean it in um, in that inflammatory way, but the PlayStation guys did not like that at all. And so started the campaign against him on social media to the point where he ended up going on a PlayStation fanboy-centric channel called King Trash Gaming. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that rubbish channel aside, I'm sorry, I'll say that. Um, it's comprised of people. I They invited him onto the show. The creator and legend behind Twisted Metal and God of War. And what ensued was absolutely horrific for them and also for the viewers. He had a chap on that completely insulted David Jaffe's legacy. He's swearing at him, saying, I don't care, Yelling. you are a no has been, you were a legend before, now you're making YouTube videos, no one gives a damn, I don't give a respect about, I don't respect who you are, I don't care what your legacy is, all because of his opinion that he thinks God of War Ragnarok looks like DLC which he substantiated. Then he went on and said, you're, con you're essentially implying he is a play Xbox fanboy. David Jaffe, you just made first party bloody PlayStation games. Are you mad? And said, oh, your take on Last of Us was bad. Your take on this was bad. After which David Jaffe couldn't even get a word in because it was just constant expletives, both ways, just firing each other. But no respect for David Jaffe. David Jaffe then subsequently dismantled that argument. It's nothing to dismantle. It was just absolute nonsense. Um, and then he David Jaffe went back and pulled his review for God of War and The Last of Us and played clips where he praised it to high heaven because he loves those games and yeah. just kind of dismantled their emotional knee-jerk reaction. Uh, yeah, it was really... Talk about horrific. biting the hand that feeds you. It yeah. was horrific, but I'll be lying if I didn't find it entertaining. After all, I'm the source boss. But it does show some of just weird discourse in gaming. A PlayStation exactly. fanboys attacking a PlayStation dev, and not just any dev, a legend that gave them the God of War. Without him, you probably wouldn't even have. Well, the nature well. of fanboyism, right, is you, you, you eat the cancer regardless of where it originated from if it goes against <laughs> yeah. whatever your specific fanboyingness is for. Um, yeah. So that doesn't surprise me that much. Also, I think in combination, I, I find David Jaffe to be a very interesting guest and a very interesting content creator. Mm -hmm. As part of his persona, he likes to poke bears. He, he likes to present things in a very controversial uh, manner. He likes to swear. He likes to get under your skin. Yes. So I have no doubt. I can imagine in my mind how that all happened. And yet... I think if you look at the God of War teaser trailer, which is all we really have from Ragnarok right now, and don't say to yourself, man, that looks a lot like I remember it from 2018, you're probably lying to yourself. Exactly. So I want it to be awesome. I hope it is. Uh, but I, certainly there, if I have any concern about that game at all is that I'm worried it'll feel samey. And so that's, that's mm -hmm. the nature of a criticism that says it looks like DLC. 
I wouldn't say that necessarily because I assume that they're going to put a package together that's big enough that it's not going to actually feel like DLC in particular. I don't think yeah, Miles sure. Morales feels particularly like DLC, and I think it started its life there. But certainly just that teaser trailer, maybe they're holding things back, says, I feel like I feel like that looks the same as what I played, which if you love 2018, maybe not the worst thing in the world. Don't reinvent the wheel. Sure. But it does look exactly way. what David Jaffe said. He said, if you love 2018, which he absolutely loved, it's going to be more of the same. I do take on point, point this one thing that the comment about describing it as DLC, which I don't think is completely accurate. It is accurate and it isn't at the same time because that label can be applied to loads of games. I would say a lot of Gears games, apart from Gears of 5, have been like DLC. Forza games, they some often feel like they're just iterative to the point where it could potentially be DLC. Um, it's just that when you use that term, I can see why some fanboys got set off. Not to the extent that they did, but from the dev standpoint, at Corey Barlog and their team, they might not appreciate that because it might seem yeah. like it's downplaying their work. Well, I mean, there's some criteria. There's Barlog criteria said that part of his DLC, right? I mean, Barlog's yeah. on record actually, saying that. That's what it did. Absolutely, Hogs right. Yep. The game did start off as DLC, but that's not. See, that to me, that's not a death knell. I mean, you have lots no. of great stories about things that were going to be DLC, and then they say it grew too big and it became this other thing. And yep. to be quite frank, you know, I brought up Miles Morales before. Sometimes. I actually like the up jump DLC because it hits a length of video game that I'm often more prepared to play. Uh, this sounds this sounds odd, but I'm an older person, you know, with a law firm and a YouTube channel, so I'm I'm very ill-equipped to critique YouTube as a second career for David Jaffe. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, I often I often think you play the next Ubisoft game, and it didn't need to be 120 hours; It'd be perfectly fine at 40 yeah. or 30. And Miles Morales delivers something in the neighborhood of 15 or 20 to me. Yeah, That's yeah. Miles good. Morales was good for like 12 hours when I feel like I just played the Spider-Man 2018 game. Uh, I think it was like a two-year difference, right? But I feel Very like, oh, I just did that in that city. So 12 felt just about right. But there's, some, there's a couple criteria. Right. Yeah, and there's a couple criteria for DLC, like God of War Ragnarok, Halo ODST, Spider-Man Miles Morales, and uh, Lost Legacy, like those are those are standalone. You don't have to own the original game. It doesn't tack on, and it's you know it's not super short. Um, so it's not technically DLC, but that's not what David Jaffe said. He said it looks like DLC, and you could take one look at these guys who yelled and cussed at a de developer, and they have been many times they have called xbox games dlc calling Same forza people. dlc so like the double standard's crazy like fine if you want to get mad at david jaffe just get mad at yourself for calling other games on other platforms dlc uh yeah, that's just yeah. so crappy i mean it's just poor form i mean i didn't expect yeah. much from that particular group of content creators but you're talking to a playstation legend how ironic it is we've had david Jaff jaffe on our show and people say well i'm xbox centric yet we showed him masses of respect i love twisted metal black will be in my top 10 games of all times god of war 2018 is probably one of the best games of last generation dealer gaming he's a predominantly xbox guy he says it's his game of last generation why is it that we can show so much respect to a playstation exclusive dev former dev and the playstation guys can't because of this comment well, which goes okay guys i think that well i think that's unfair to say the playstation guys the there, fanboy right? sorry the fanboy condition <laughs> this yeah. is specific yeah. crew yeah and yeah. i i know plenty of playstation folks that are running sites and, and and would have the proper respect to me it's not even 
fanboyism or David Jaffe or anybody else. In general, if you're running content, if you're putting a stream on, if Colts had come on and just started berating me for something I had said and sworn at me, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a great way to, to have a guest on, I don't think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's not. So, I, mean, I can't imagine that's, it. That's step one, right? <laughs> it's respecting well, I mean, it's just, other it's human just, it's just video games. How can you sit there on a live show in front of however many people and cuss out this other human being that yeah. made video games for having an opinion of his? He he could have said that it was uh, here. I'm raising my voice as well. I'm, no, <laughs> he, he could have said uh, that. that yeah, he could have said yes. that it was DLC, <laughs> but he said it looks like DLC, right? And yeah. uh, and it's milk toast, right? Uh, it's soft. It's 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 a soft pedal anyway. It's like what we've seen so far. Milk toast <laughs> looks like looks like nothing. And it's like, yeah, hey, we yeah. know there's more. We know there's more than that teaser trailer in Ragnarok. We know that. 100%. So right the second, right the second, it looks a little samey. Let's hope it's not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And well, I they said it's going to be like Ragnarok's going to be amazing. It's going to be an amazing yeah, they, game. I think you could get about 32 hours. I think I got 25 hours because I didn't go and get all the Valkyries. Blah blah blah. Right. But I think you can get up to 20, 32 hours on 2018's God of War. And they said that this one's like pushing 40. So like like they said, it was going to be DLC. It got bigger. And we've seen that many times. It got bigger than it could be. It's a standalone. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and it'll be a $70 game. But yeah, uh, that That'd that's be, just yeah. crazy. But um, those guys should be embarrassed. But yeah. they're not I going found to it. I can't, you know, I, I don't have personal info on this, but I, from your stories, it sounds like not a good situation. Watch the source video that I released tomorrow, Hogue. I will, I will check it out. Yep. I will check it out. <laughs> I, well, and I'm coming from a specific perspective. I'm not the world's biggest fan of God of War 2018. So I, I want, you know, I want them to improve on that from my perspective. So okay. I'll give them a chance, even though I don't like the first one that much. I, right. I really liked it, but I liked Spider- Spider-Man won me over in, in every way. And, um, I'm looking forward to playing Ragnarok. It's just, it'll, it's, we don't know if it's going to come out this year, but I'm going to put my pin mm. on September. Let me read a couple supers here from Nano Polymyth. Thank you so much for the nine pound super chases. C- cannot stop. Just popped in to wish Gaz a very happy birthday <laughs> and ask if <laughs> he'd like you got a word DLC. Huh? It's not my birthday. It's not it's my always birthday. Always Gaz's birthday when I'm on with him. We've been on like three shows <laughs> together. It's always his birthday. Yeah, it, it is kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's something yeah. that won't I die. I just something he, like he gets desserts at Applebee's or something. He's just really into. Yeah, maybe that's why it is. I like people in those the little tiny Sundays. I hate that at restaurants and people do that. I hate so embarrassing. I'm just gonna figure out where you are and someone, pull them in now. Guys. Do they do that in the UK where they all come out and they clap and sing yeah, some? Sometimes, really... if you tell the restaurant, oh. they do that. I find that embarrassing, and I oh, just yeah. came back from running around like a madman in central London with a camera and hair. You'll see it from the video tomorrow, but that embarrasses me. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that embarrasses me when they happy happy birthday. So uh, yeah, thank you, Nano. He says he wanted to know if you'd like God of War DLC as a gift on PlayStation Four. Or PC. He's being messy. He's being so messy. Uh, Shab's inevitable. So much for the five pounds super chat. He says that podcast that we were referring to uh, is a, I'll kind of censor what he said. He said that they're just gathering together to find their next prey. They're not even talking about PlayStation. They're always talking about Xbox. Uh, Yeah. I mean, why? Why do they do that? Oh, It's so messy. (laughs) And King (laughs) X Leonidas, thank you so much for the $2 super. He says, PlayStation fanboys got has got the worst from Xbox competing again. And we are going to talk about that today. Um, Xbox has kind of got a lot of things together. They have room for improvement. 
but we'll talk about what's how that's kind of flooded into the market as well. And that also ties into this whole monopoly accusation and allegation, right? We're going to talk about that, but I want us to talk about uh, Gaz. This disparity between day and day, Odd Words, Odd World, Soulstorm, which is a side-scrolling kind of puzzle-type game, and um, Bug Snacks, a quirky kids game, uh, are coming to. Well, one came to PlayStation Plus day and date. Bug Snacks is coming to Game Pass when it drops on the Xbox day and date, and it totally goes against Jim Ryan saying, like, we can't put our games on a Game Pass service or a day and date subscription service because it lowers the quality. There's a lot of things that are at play here. We talked about this on your show. Can you tell us what in the world the, the difference is between Oddworld not hitting its metrics in a day and date service and what was going on with that? Uh, I mean, I don't think that is uh, an example of Jim Ryan. Okay, well, we have to park that to one side, what Jim Ryan mm-hmm. is saying about that being sustainable. I think it's complete utter nonsense, really. That's the excuse he used for not being PlayStation not being able to day and date because their quality would suffer. That's a quality issue. Um and there's that. With Oddworld 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 Assault. Oh, God. Oddworld, I can't say it either. Soul Storm. It's, such a, it's weird to say it for some reason. Um unfortunately the devs got hit by what they kind of struck as a bad deal really it's just something they underestimated performance on on playstation plus and also seemed to think that the two how many downloads was it was it two million or four million or something to one of those those numbers they think would have translated into sales uh so i don't know and that a lot of people are citing that as a downside to a subscription service like playstation plus um but the devs said they used the word they were the the game being a free game for the month was devastating uh to mm. them um and it was because of their projections it was just hit a little bit lower than they thought it didn't translate into sales but that's just the nature of the beast of the manner in which they dealt with the monetization of this game i don't understand um how it's being weaponized by fanboys though i don't think that's You've got Xbox Game Pass, and almost unanimously, every dev has waxed lyrical about it. Not only have they had remuneration right from the outset by getting, they get paid uh, upfront for the game to pair on Game Pass, and then they also benefit from the masses player numbers. But over here, um, it was just, I think it was a PlayStation 5 ga- only game as well. Only appeared on PlayStation 5. I didn't play on PlayStation 4. There were some supplies issues, which meant that. that yeah, oh, okay. so a lot of there weren't that many PlayStation 5s out in the wild. It was a PS Plus game. Um, it came up. The, the didn't get that many sales, and ultimate and ultimately, it's just hurt the devs. And I, it's a shame, but it's not really a, uh, an indication of, of a failure of a subscription service. But okay, Hulk, you okay. may have a different view. Yeah, I mean, there there are kind of a different angle here, Hogue, because like what we're talking about is what works for Xbox and Game Pass works, but it doesn't seem to work for PlayStation. And I, I got to ask, I don't know if you saw this one. This happened right for the weekend, Hogue, but they, um, Scarlet Nexus was a Japanese RPG action adventure game yeah, that came out, it. right? And and they said thanks to PC and Xbox Game Pass 
for helping make this a success. Did you see that tweet and the fallout I, from that? I didn't, uh, but I can imagine the fallout from that, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Scarlet Nexus is a good game. Um, Soulstorm became a good game. One of the problems they had is that they released a version that had some bugs in it to start out with. I'm a fan of Oddworld, oh, okay. so I got that when it first came down. Um, but I think Gaz has it almost entirely right. And I think it's right for anybody that wants to be analyzing, critiquing, or otherwise considering the subscription services, which is if you're watching from afar, right? I'm a, I'm a transactions guy. I'm a, I'm a drafter of contracts and negotiator of deals. One of the things that's always been opaque from the outside and watching all this happen is that there are numbers in those contracts that can make it work for at least one party. Game Pass and Xbox believes they can make it work for both parties. And there are numbers that won't work for either party. And okay. so when you're talking about these kinds of things, when I say numbers, I mean, if you imagine you're kind of reductio ad absurdum, just go to the far end of what a, hypo a hypothetical would look like here. And you say that Oddworld was allowing their stuff to go out in place, uh, PS Plus, and they were only getting um, one cent per, per download or, or whatever horrible deal you can imagine. You can easily <laughs> see yeah. that is never going to get an ROI for that company, right? And then mm. there's some place where they get full value as if someone had bought it, if they download it for free. Obviously, Oddworld, thrilled, great, great times for all. Maybe not great times for PlayStation. So part of all of this happening is Xbox constantly doing A-B tests and experiments and figuring out what works for them. And I would say this, Jim Ryan, if we're reading between the lines and you can read through all those and says, I'm not going to do day and date on PlayStation Plus Special Extreme Ultra 238 over two or whatever they're calling their various tiers at this point in time, <laughs> says, I can't justify day one releases. It means, realistically, that he doesn't believe that anything that is coming out of Game Pass or press relations or marketing is sustainable. That, that what is happening at Xbox is that they have a big war chest of money and that they are subsidizing Game Pass and giving numbers to the developers that make it work for them. And then at some point, at some point they have to hit the button, right? We, and we understand right. at a fundamental level that Game Pass is in user acquisition mode, right? We all remember Netflix at very cheap prices. We all remember even Disney mm -hmm. Plus was at a price that was much less as of even just a year ago. And, and you've got this you got this version of collecting things for a subscription or a streaming service that is we're going to collect bodies and then we're going to boil the frog and we're going to try to keep those bodies while we make more money. And, and I think that's a good analogy as weird I love graphic as that is. <laughs> I think PlayStation's version of this is looking across the aisle and saying, we don't believe you that, that right. we don't believe that this is actually going to work on its own. And so when they say things, I think Gaz called it out as butt kiss or whatever he said about it, that we can't keep the quality up when we do day one and day day. I, I honestly think that, that Ryan believes that. I think he's wrong. I agree with Gaz. But I, I think they look at the numbers and they look at the model that they've always used and they can't imagine an ROI that is sufficient on a day one release and a subscription service to pay for what their current process is in their pipeline. Um, and so, and, yeah, they don't, that, they don't believe them. So they're like, there's no way we could do the same thing. I just got as myopic, right? You, you, when we talk yeah. about visionaries and I don't want to give, you know, Phil and Microsoft and Xbox too much credit because they have a safety net to do some yeah. of this kind of stuff because they have just enormous sure. piles of money um, yeah. in order to make mistakes they can cover for in certain ways. So I, I don't want to just, you know, say he's, he's a genius doing all these various things. But when we talk about visionaries, it requires you to have vision and that vision isn't obvious to everybody. If it were, everybody would be doing it. 
And, and so you've got yeah. Xbox and Microsoft in a losing position last generation, kind of forced to do something different. And I think what they did was very wise and they've utilized their resources very well. But Jim Ryan and Sony and SIE have been running this model now for the better portion of my life. And they look yeah, at it for 25 say, years. Yeah. They say, why would, why would we move? We're ahead. We're in the lead. We don't need to do these various things. They put out this, in my opinion, disappointing product offering with their PlayStation plus tiers because they want to be able to check that box, but they don't, it, to me, it doesn't feel like they really believe in it. They don't think that's the future or anything like that. So you get this kind of mealy mouth, half done version of a game pass that doesn't for really what? satisfy reader, reader service. Like, Hey, look, we're, we'll give you some options. I suppose. I, to, the, I, if you read that press, uh, not even press release, that interview, especially with games yeah, industry yeah. Is, that releases the same day that they announced that to me, I read board fights. I read strong oh. factions within yes. SIE that are disagreeing as to what they should be doing. You hear these references mm -hmm. all over the place about, well, we were talking about it internally. Like, go read through that interview and mm -hmm. list every time he says, well, we talked about it internally. We pushed for this. Who can believe we're on PC right now? There were a number of people that were against it. He's talking oh, yeah. about internal fights. It's not us. He doesn't give a crap what we're saying about PC yes. or not PC. That's obvious. He's talking, he's talking internally about that company, and they're going through a transition. Game Pass has pushed them in certain respects, and I think they'll ultimately get there. Sony is slow to move out of the leader position. They always have been. Uh, and, and so I would like to see them move further and or do weirder stuff. I've been on many shows this past six months uh -huh. saying, Sony's got to get weird. Sony can't money cannon against Microsoft. Sony has to do different things. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we'll have a great, robust video game economy where you got Microsoft doing its thing. You got Sony doing its thing. They're stuck in a transition phase right now. And I very much hope that they, you know, get all their ducks in a row. But as it stands right this second, as yeah. it stands right this second, they don't, they're not committed to what so I and Phil and Xbox think is probably moving more and more towards the future as we sit. Let me ask you a hypothetical, Hogan. You can you can speculate your where you see it, right? Because I see it, and you, I, I don't know if you agree with me. Is that maybe Jim Ryan wants to try this day and date this PC stuff because he knows they'll make a bunch of money? Like he can he can get, he can put his business sense out there and say we're going to make a ton of money on Steam or Epic Game Store. Uh, if we go day and date, we're going to blow up in subscribers. We're going to have residual revenue streams coming in every month. But I feel like. His leadership he reports back to overseas is not believing it, not having it, and that's the fight. Because you said earlier, he, he, he's not fighting with us, the fans or the no, gamers. Those are not to us. Those are not messages to us. I, yeah. You know, I don't know. You, you put the overseas component on it as American, Western, Eastern kind of notion. I doubt it's that clean. I, I doubt that okay. it is specifically just Sony headquarters saying, no, we want to be conservative. Obviously, traditionally... Japanese companies, Sony included, have been more slow to move and more conservative about their business models. I, I don't get that impression. And, and I don't even know that you can assume that Ryan is on the side of moving towards a recurring revenue model. I, it's hard to guess because he's PR yeah. trained and he's not putting that much information out there. And he's very yeah. cagey about what direction he goes. He always ascribes it to you know, discussions internally. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if as the head of this organization, it's often the case that in a major corporation that is ha having a lot of success, PlayStation is still number one, um, is 
very reluctant to upturn the apple cart and 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 or steer the ship in a different direction. I, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that at all uh, from the leadership right now. Doesn't mean I it's true. We have no idea. Couldn't we can't read their minds. We're not in those rooms. But I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I I wouldn't deign to guess where the various pressures are. What I can tell you is that there is clear friction, in my opinion, in those boardrooms. That's a, that's a culture thing across all of the business, all, all over worldwide SEI, right? And I, I got to so. ask Gaz, um, like Microsoft has had this trial and error. They've had this experience period of Game Pass going on for three years. They put day and date games from other party studios beside their own. Has Xbox gotten to the point where if they want to go grab a game like Plague's Tale Requiem, which is coming out this year, day and date on Game Pass, has Xbox gotten to the point where they can say, look, we kind of know how things are happening when you put your game on Game Pass. We'd like to offer you this much that you could possibly lose from day one purchases on the Xbox platform if you go day and date. Yeah, I mean, uh, the longer period of time lapses, the more data there'll be available and more metrics and numbers for Microsoft and Xbox to get those estimates and present that data to, which I'm sure there will be a feature in these negotiations with any developer uh, when you're trying to negotiate figures. At the start, they would have to maybe offer, I imagine, this is me guessing there, but they offered quite a, very early Xbox Game Pass days, they must have offered quite a fair penny for those deals because they didn't really know, you know, they they had to entice people into the service, like uh, Hogue described it very well mm -hmm. at, the, at the start. And I think it's still at that early gestation phase, still trying to burn through that capital to make it more enticing. But now with the more data to hand, perhaps Microsoft are able to then negotiate that a little bit better because now they can also offer all this positive you know messaging and the metrics and numbers as another incentive for a, a developer or a publisher to put their game in this look we'll offer you, you know, whatever uh, maybe say 80k i'm just throwing numbers out there for the sake of uh, conceptualizing <laughs> things so 80k is supposed to 100k um but um look at the numbers it depends on the game as well so a game like a single player game uh, perhaps wouldn't uh, the developers wouldn't really care that much as much for day one player numbers as something like a live service or multiplayer game. So it's going to be a constant state of a, a myriad of different factors in negotiating with these. But I think to answer your question, I'm sure they have a, de a decent number of amount of time has lapsed since its introduction, the service that is. And I'm sure they'll have more data to play with in negotiating these deals. So but I think as, the, yeah, sorry. All I was going to add is it is as much art as science. I mean, if you remember yeah. when mm -hmm. Epic versus Apple started as a lawsuit, just to segue a little bit, and some of that information came out that was supposed to be under lock and key and the court let it out. One of the things it let out was how Epic Games Store was uh, monetizing or, or keeping track of the value of its free game offerings that it was putting forth every couple of weeks. And one of the things it did is it said, here's the month, how much we paid. Here's how much we paid in royalties. Here's how many downloads there were. Here's how many users came on. And, and you can see that even within those 200 games that they were tracking, there was wildly disparate amounts of value to the company, right? That's the, that's the similar kind of data that Microsoft has been collecting now for years. Uh, sure. And it's still going to be soft. You don't exactly know who's going to win or who's going to lose on any given contract. But hopefully you're getting better, as Gaz says. The, the trick of it is, is that whatever that number is that makes everybody win, it has to be a number 
that makes money for Microsoft at the end of the day. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to make money right in a second necessarily, but they have to be dreaming of a time when the, the rate is high enough on the Game Pass, the content is coming in in a good enough clip, that the developers are happy, nobody's complaining, that they're making enough money to justify all of this spend because they've been working on this forever. And effectively what Sony says over here is we don't, we don't think you'll get there. We don't think there's a balance point that makes sense. And I can't tell you Sony's wrong. I can tell you I believe that Microsoft is right, but both sides are prognosticating. Both sides are guessing that there is a balance point that makes Game Pass and Xbox and Microsoft a lot of money. Microsoft is throwing a whole lot of resources at it because they believe in it that much. But I think anybody that tells you that Jim Ryan is just crazy is is (laughs) discounting too far off of what PlayStation is saying. They're saying, can you add all that stuff up when you spend all those resources to write all those contracts and it has that soft art quality to it that we actually think that your kind of middle point is either flat or maybe loses you a little bit of money or or whatever. It doesn't make us as much as we're making right now. And so we're not going to go down that road entirely. Okay. I tend to side on Microsoft's side on that for business model, but I won't, I won't disagree strongly with anybody that says, no, I think it's PlayStation. I think it's, it's whatever the future holds on that. It's guessing at what the market will sustain. Yeah, and it's all brand new stuff. We're going to talk about another business model that they're proposing to bring into the market. But I want to reset for the audience. This is the Ecstasy Podcast. I am the host, Cold Eastwood. And I'm here with Gas from Game on Daily and Richard Hogue from Hogue Law. And we're from Virtual Legality, his uh, channel on YouTube and the Game on Daily Go Live uh, extravaganza on YouTube as well. <laughs> uh, great legal experts as we talk about the business of gaming. And it's, it's important if we get into the business that we also keep it fun because there are a lot of interesting uh, takes to take from this if you're enjoying the show and have a good time hit the like button to show your support for the show and let's get that up to 500 as we get in we've got over 800 people who are watching the show live and if you want to check out the show or if you are while you're lifting weights right now i would you know do those curls and have good form take care of your body if you're checking this out after the fact at the gym or mowing the lawn or out walking the dog i like to do that too we are on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts and Pocket Podcasts. So there's a bunch of places to check out the show. Audio only on demand. And this will also be on demand on YouTube if you want to come back and see our lovely faces. But thank you so much for being here in the chat and the mods. And we are going to get into this next thing that um, really uh, upset people uh, for good reason. But Microsoft is applying for, um, I don't know if it was a patent, but they're talking about a way to get ads, real ads, real product placement into their games from their studios another revenue stream that is not welcome from gaming fans and i want gaz to take a hold of this because i know that you do not put up with bull crap what is going on where's the monster drinks in my next game from xbox you know what you say i don't pull up with bull crap i always thought in-game ads was a bit a massive problem because you have fake ads in games so Damn it's it like <laughs> well it's not if microsoft do do I... it sometimes part of it does feel slimy and the moment you allow that to happen i will say corporations will take the mic and it becomes an extension of what we they see will, on TV. they will come running yeah yeah so you know so I'll tell, take tell me back. the good tell me the good part of um what 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 could be good product placement in games? Give me some examples. I mean, you've actually had it for years. You like show. you've had it infinite, infamous. The first X play, sorry, PlayStation exclusive that had Subway in there 
and like in one of the shops, like a subway shop. I'm subway like, oh. I actually don't even remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't remember that. I never... <laughs> yeah, just fine. No one really cared. I mean, if it's like a place where an ad normally would be, it wouldn't. But I can just can see I say one advertising. Like ads? Can huh? I say one where I like ads? I like sports games. <laughs> I like them with little ad sponsorships. It adds to a little bit of reality uh, to the broadcast. And, and racing watch, games. I don't want to watch ah, three yeah. minutes of ads, but I do like a little... Yeah, you know, the, the race is introed and says brought to you by Bridgestone or whatever. Do not care. Love yeah. yeah. It, it is yeah. weird, like, when I play a sports game and, like, if I'm playing uh, a baseball game and over there by the third baseline it says, Bob's Rubber Band and Poriam. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What is that? You know, because they don't, instead of having, like, a Geico ad or something, and this show is not sponsored by Geico, it's by Progressive. But anyway, um, no, it's, uh, that is interesting. So, yeah, I like, I like it real sports. product placement. There, there, this is such placement. a dangerous line. Go ahead. It's a dangerous line. And that's where the companies will take the make. I think it does. I haven't played Death Stranding. So massive like disclaimer there. But I saw like Duracell or Monster and it was so in yeah. your face. I'm like, you obviously got paid for that. I don't like. Those uh, got pulled. Though. Interestingly well, enough, the, I love Death Stranding. Did? It, was my, it was one of my games of the year for whatever year that I'm was, 2019, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh in the director's cut, there's no monster energy. There is no, uh, there's no extra batteries. What did the licensing agreement run out or did they? I have no idea. It's very curious. Again. Yeah. As a contract type lawyer, I'm like, what happened there? Why is there no monster energy? I'm intrigued. Two years (laughs) later. Yeah. I think the drink, I think the drink is like Kojima drink or something like it's, 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 it's a fake. Kojima. Kojima son. Yeah. Kojima sauce. It is so weird because. I want to kind of go down this road with you guys on this thing, because if you allow product placement where it makes sense, because you can go around an open world city and there can be a fake sandwich shop. And and it's kind of funny because the team has to come up with the name and come up with the logo and it's goofy and it can be kind of cheesy, but if it was real companies, you know, well, I, so I watch so many TV shows where they'll pull up their laptop and the Apple logo will be like right in the camera. And you know that Apple demanded that the Apple logo was in camera at a certain size for a certain duration. Sure. Hogue, what? This is the dangerous thing I'm talking about. What sure. could go awry with in-game product placement? Well, you know, Apple has the rules. They got the they they those were leaked out, which said, you know, apples can't be used by villains. I don't think. I mean, there, there was all sorts of stuff. Your your, your lead antagonist can't have an apple. Oh, yeah, villains! It, it usually, villains! <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, you have to look that up. There were there was there was rules that were revealed that said if you want to tell who the killer is in Law and Order or whatever, look for the guy that's not using an apple. Or, oh, or something wow. along those lines. There's a whole article about it. Uh, but yeah, wow. you have you run the risk of that. You also run the risk of non-market leaders taking you out of a scene, right? One of the things that I always laugh about uh-huh. is I'm watching a oh, I don't know, a crime procedural, and they pull out their not selling very well surface tablet or whatever else it might be that clearly isn't the market leader for whatever it's positioned as. Only everybody in the universe only uses that fourth place product. And you're like, well, okay, that's not that's not great. Um, and that overall, CSI group has never solved a case during that four years. <laughs> they're only listening to Zunes. You know, like they, they go out, I got, I got to get my Zune ready for my run or, or, or whatever it might be. And, and, and so I think that can take you out. And certainly yeah. it yeah. can become too intrusive. Right. I said I like sports ads. I, I, you know, I like little cutaways and things that make it feel real. You throw mm-hmm. 90 seconds, you throw me the actual sports experience, I'm going to be very unhappy with, with the product <laughs> I purchased. If I have to sit through 90 seconds each, you know, 
each of a gold bond in an NBA game or whatever. <laughs> so you can go too far with yeah. any of these things, but judiciously used in moderation, there are places you could put them that would help even increase the experience, let alone be neutral. And I think racing games and sports games and billboards and little ad cards is the place that you could do it. You know, we've I, had I think that probably... before. Like we've had it in true crime, had GameStop ads, I think. Chat, help us out. You know, I think it was the 360 and PS3 generation had quite a bit of product placement in, and we all scoffed and got angry and made our complaints and moved on about our lives. But well, Alan Wake still- only makes his calls on Verizon. I remember that still. That came oh, in whatever, 12 years ago. All right, he gets Energizer batteries for his flashlight, and he only makes cell phone calls on Verizon. And when you go and turn oh on gosh. a TV in Alan Wake, a Verizon ad comes up. I mean, you know. Hey. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, and you can see where this could really get away from you because um, our, our whole world is run. People complain about commercials, but the, the world, the entertainment world is literally run almost completely by advertising revenue. It is, well, the, it is the river that flows so that we can, even on my channel, like for me to be able to do the things I do and buy the equipment to run a show, ad revenue makes it possible. Right, so, well, right. You started off this video talking about your sponsors and talking about ads and all these various things, and that's totally great. Uh, and I think in, in Alan Wake, in potentially a Grand Theft Auto, but I think they like their satire, um, at sports games, racing games, mm-hmm. uh, I think those are all real world things that can fit in an ad. You start adding an ad to... Gears of War that's supposed to be in a different universe or Super Lucky's Tale in a way that doesn't work terribly well or anything else along those lines, I think you've got a real problem. For instance, Death Stranding is a great example that Gaz brought up because we're post-apocalypse in Death Stranding. Where in the hell are they getting all these monster energy drinks? <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody is making anything. So, Well, I mean, he's carrying them on his back. That's yeah, how we get well, them. You transport it, it, from place to place. It can take you out when you've got those kinds of situations. Um, and so I think I, I'm an optimist, right? I say, hey, yeah. there is a revenue stream to be gotten there. Be careful with it and, and go enjoy it. But I worry is the same as anybody else, which says, okay, they opened the gate. And so now the A button is brought to you by Subway Sandwiches. Every time you press A, you're going to get a Subway and and go from there, right? So, I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that people yeah. worry about. Cards everywhere. Your menu yeah. screen is now brought to you by Energizer. Yeah, I can see that. I, that's a slippery slope. Like the way you say it that way, yeah, I take it back. Uh, but I do see gamers actually being quite resistant or aggressive against the idea. I actually let them, well, not let them, I'm not the arbiter in <laughs> allowing this stuff after. I just, just sit in the sidelines and say that's fair enough. And I, I have to say, like, for your entertainment, you don't get to have anything ad free. You can go to movie theater and you you don't have to wait through ads. But games have always trailers though. They'll advertise yeah. you the next movies. Yeah, and you know we love that. But we love like that trailers. because See, that's it's difference. not an it's not an annoying that's commercial for that's a great for, analogy know, there. Bob's Jockstrap Emporium, right? If like you like it, the ads, then well, but maybe you know again, Optimus Rick. Maybe you start to get ads that are directed towards the gaming experience they're placed in and and you like them in some respect. I mean, that would yeah. be nice if there was actual creative put to those, uh, something along those lines. But yeah, yeah. Movies, movies advertise a lot. It's just things that people generally care about because they like trailers. And there are product placements in movies and sometimes they do a really good job of hiding it. I got to ask you and the chat, like, is it going to be 
just restricted to in-game product placement like because i don't i don't think that microsoft's looking at a way to interrupt your experience through uh by putting an ad forward um but that was something that playstation actually patent applied for 10 years ago and i hate what about because that's never happened it's probably something like patents always do you come up with an idea you lock it down just in case it becomes that's a viable right. opportunity that's the right answer you've got researchers yes. and developers doing things all the time and if they've come up with something novel, you go get the patent regardless and you put it in yes. your portfolio. That, that's how that works. So some of those articles that come out and say, oh, they're going to make a split controller that you throw half at the screen and then you beam something <laughs> else to the other half of the controller. You say some scientist somewhere said, hey, this works. And then Sony locks it down or Microsoft locks it down because maybe it'll have something that isn't stupid on its face as a use case in the future. Yeah. And we want to have the rights to it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, my big worry, I don't sit and worry about this stuff. Honestly, when I, when I saw this, I knew people yeah. were freaking out. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll hang back. Cause to be fair, if this becomes a problem, well, I don't think we'll be able to stop it, but I really think it's going to be product placement, you know, Bridgestone tires, Firestone or whatever on, on billboards and Forza and GT have already been doing that for years. So, um, but it's you when you said Mahog, when you mentioned Grand Theft Auto, it kind of takes away. I don't think Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto will do it because they like you know to what, do a spoof, right? Well, you know what they, they need? do? A they need the ability to blow things up. They need the ability to do bad things to places in the city and to have bad things associated yeah. with the products. So much like you see with like racing games that have been very cautious about, you know, damage to their cars. Brands yes. want to be involved. Brands want you to see them. Brands do not want to be associated with bad things or with their their store exploding because you took a rocket launcher to two police that were standing in front of it in a Grand Theft Auto game. So there's always that concept as well. That goes for product placement. Movies have an easier mm -hmm. time of that because you can lock and edit and then the people can approve it. Video games are a little bit outside that because you don't know exactly what a player is going to do. That's why those types of agreements have always been a little bit more touchy um, oh, throughout yeah. this whole process. Yeah, where they say that the you know the the experience could be could differ when they say when you're online the, you know you have a rating for something so advertisers are worried about what you're going to do with their product. Yeah, that's it. that is one of the reasons why damage models on licensed cars. Yeah, you're driving a Mercedes Benz racing car. It's only going to do have so much damage to it because people go, "Oh my gosh, I'm never going to buy that car in real life." Not that I can afford one, but um, I think the yeah, worry is overblown from the brand holders, but they definitely worry about it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, what is Microsoft's intent? Is this just something that they're like saying, is this a possibility? Or are we going to get corporations coming in or are they have like a game plan? I'd say toes in the water. I, I think people that are worried about even the toes in the water have a right to be worried because generally what you do with one of these is that you go a little bit, you just do something that is easily digested by a lot of people that doesn't even bother them. And then you do a little bit more. You start at horse armor and you arrive at whatever we're at in 2022, right? Well, the so, frog. Yeah. So I, I think I think that they will probably try to see what they can do with it. If I were if I were advising them from a business strategy standpoint, I'd try to put it in the most realistic looking, uh, the most realistic placed games, sports, yeah. racing, those kinds of things as possible. Have it evaluated by people, then try it a little bit more. Advance it to some other area where maybe it's not as obviously good and see how much pushback you get. Because Microsoft does respond to pushback. Microsoft got pushed the hell back on their gold <laughs> doubling the price. Uh, yeah. I mean, that happened in two seconds. 
So Microsoft knows what it does wrong. They've been very responsive this generation to feedback. So I, I would have, I would imagine they're going to evaluate it because they're all Absolutely. about those, recur those recurring revenue streams. Uh, and I don't think they're just going to let it sit on the shelf. Apologies. I actually agree. Uh, Microsoft is responsive. Xbox's success, it seems, almost seems to be hinging on being responsive to fan feedback. So it's been so disconnected as of last gen that mm -hmm. as a fan feedback, it's attained the position where it is now. But they will absolutely, you're right, they will keep pushing, especially as, you know, we move away from the traditional, you know, box game and now it's a service models they'll be desperate i think they're desperate to see, try and squeeze as much as they can out and i don't think it's a bad thing we will remind them and quickly swiftly uh, give them a kick up the backside I like so. even this week with the nfts uh, like mike yabara there was some uh, yes. article written by vgc saying can i say NFT. i don't believe mike yabara can i say that am i allowed to say that right here you can say that. You can okay. definitely say that. I mean, I don't. I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for his public response. I also don't. I don't fully believe that they aren't at least exploring possibilities. Do you, well, I mean, them. Mike Barra is heading that whole entire studio conglomerate, and when he says no one is looking at NFTs, what's he really saying, Hogue? Well, he's trying to see. He, so, I mean, he said a very pure statement, and and I think it's I think it's true. And so far as everything that you say in that context has to be true. Um, you're, you know, you're being vetted for those kinds of things. So nobody has gone far enough to be quote unquote, looking at NFTs. There is no way in hell that there isn't a business unit at Activision that isn't examining what they could potentially do with those kinds of technologies. Uh, and maybe mm -hmm. they come up and say nothing, but there's just no possible way that they aren't at least exploring it. And they know better because they see what happens to Ubisoft. They see, I, you know, I've gone on my channel and said, there's a very significant pushback from it to NFTs and even discussions of crypto and anything like that, that I think is yeah. unwarranted in so, in so how vociferous it is. I, I'm a technologist, yeah. right? I'm a venture capital lawyer. I work with young companies that seemingly have crazy ideas, half of which don't work, many of which do. And I never, I'm the lawyer. I'm not the business visionary. I'm not the genius. I can't tell the difference. I honestly can't. Um, so I advise mm -hmm. them and I help them grow and do those various things. And I look at NFTs and I say, it's interesting. I don't see any use case right now, but I'm not like immediately against on a kind of vitriolic basis, people exploring. I'm not against Ubisoft saying, does this work? And if it doesn't, great. If it does, if they find something that people actually like, great as well. But there's such a strong feeling towards those right now. I think largely because they really have been a center point for a lot of fraud, a lot of kind of sleazy deal making and a lot of those things. I don't blame anybody for that either. I'm just far more reluctant to just say this will never be anything ever and it's horrible <laughs> and we should kill right. it forever than other people. Yeah. On the name. I, I also, I also wonder if NFTs become one of those things that I, that me, that I just don't ever bother with. Like if yeah. they became a integral part of online games and, and cosmetics, they may be exactly like microtransaction cosmetics where I almost never bother with them so they don't yeah. affect me but, I'm and, in trouble. but they seem to affect the gaming I community as a whole i'm in okay. trouble guess guess does have a bit, hate <laughs> a bit a of problem. an apex legends problem if yeah. i'm telling you right now and you can hate me all you want shop but if nfts become a thing so that i get a unique cosmetic that no one else in the world can have because it's based on blockchain or whatever system that they employ 
I'm paying for that because I'm a vain piece of <laughs> and that's just the way it I is. I like that you have a button ready for that. And it's so true. Like, why what why would that bother me? But I do I get it. Like people are so that change is so severe for many people. Let me read a couple of super chats here. I gotta get this one that's uh gotten out here a while, but thank you so much, Hargy, for the two dollar super chat. He gave us a tiny Tina global key for Xbox. Please go play that game. It is so fun. Um, he also says, Man, the disrespect the host showed to their guest, talking about David Jaffe. Hargeet says inc- was incredible, quite a bit of insecurity and sad. Doovy, thank you so much for the five dollar super. He says, Isn't it weird that PlayStation used to come up with game demo, demo discs back in the day and they're that. putting them behind a paywall? Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but uh, I played Cool Borders and Metal Gear Solid. Like, you got to play the first 45 minutes. And I subscribed on- to PlayStation Underground. Those things were crazy. Yeah, you, know, you get a disc. Yeah, no, there yeah. Was, it was a little subscription service. You get them in the mail, uh, mm-hmm. and they'd have like a demo, and they'd have some interviews. Like this was really before the modern internet. They'd have some interviews with some developers. I remember there was a big long thing with Phil Hartman and Blasto, uh, and they'd have oh, secret really? code you can get in that had like behind the scenes. Oh man, PlayStation Underground. I'm really dating myself in this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh my oh. brother-in-law when he was like 14 uh we got pizza and a uh, pizza hut came with the demo disc i think it was pizza hut yeah there was a demo disc with like three games on it and you put that into your playstation one and you'd have access to like three different games i think crash bandicoot was on there those were cool days very cool I days i played the final fantasy 7 bombing mission demo disc until it broke that's that's <laughs> how the laser much I melted that through. Demo. yep no it couldn't play anymore and then I had a month to go before the game released to tell you how excited I was for that one. Yeah, those are good days. Those days are super. They're, now, now it's behind a paywall. Uh, Jonas the Dad says with $2, happy birthday, Gaz. Starfield gameplay in June. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. Uh, hey, yeah, Blinken. Hey, Blinken. Sounds funny. Sounds like A. Blinken. I like that. Thank you so much for $10. This Porsche wasn't in Forza 6 because Porsche didn't want their cars to be shown with scratches or cracked windshields. Oh, that's quite, talk about, that's quite, it's very that's vain. quite regular in the space. That happens quite a lot in car racing games. Quite, I never heard about the Apple thing. That's quite funny that they mandate how it's utilized in movie scripts. And it's an extension of that, really, if you think about it. If that anything, some yeah. more broad restriction don't have our cars uh, in a game. I don't know if that was what the deal was with Porsche. I just think that Forza didn't have the lights license. I don't think it had to do with, because I know the Porsche was in uh, the need for speed games and those games got scratched up. I don't know if they broke the windshield. If they're <laughs> the windshield, isn't really that big of a part of the car. You can get it anywhere. Danny passion with the $5 says, I finally got to play fanboy maker. God of war 2018. I almost quit due its due to its linearity and the sad dad thing, but the ending was epic. A nine out of ten for me. That did not sound like a nine out of ten, but shout out to you uh, for finally playing God of War. Look at we got Danny Passion and Gaz living in 2018. What a, what about you, great guys? And hey, Blinken has another one. Thank you so much. I think they're working on a rented ad space system, much like how Lamar rents out billboards. A rented now. What do you think of that, Hogue? Like a rented ad space system for games. Yeah, I mean, that would just be like a Google ads, right? So you'd figure out a way to have your interfaces have spaces to put various little things. You might, I mean, we ignore these a lot, right? And I don't know what kind of TVs you have, but certainly oh, yeah. most modern TVs, you go, you turn on your TV, you go to see your sources or whatever. 
there'll be an ad for something in your menu now. Um, And and it may or may not be something that you're interested in. I imagine it's something along those lines of putting it in places that aren't really game adjacent. You couldn't just rent ads that would actually work with the code, uh, but you could potentially put it in some kind of interim period. Like think about if you leave your Xbox sitting there and you don't mess with your menu settings so much, eventually it'll, it'll go dark. It'll try to save your screen and it'll put like achievements up on the side, right? If you had a yeah. space on that yeah. big giant gray box that just said whatever, Buca de Beppo, uh, then oh. that would work. That that would work just fine. Yeah. Probably wouldn't offend anybody. So they could be looking at that as well. Fully UI based ads in various. What places. if they try to shoehorn like a static ad in a loading screen or or some games have done in, that. Well, That's then you're becoming a mobile. Here. Then you're you're risking becoming a mobile company, right? Like people have certain associations with that kind of. Uh, interaction with a video game. And I think that's realistically the people that are really worried about game pass and that it definitely incentivizes engagement over downloads. They're thinking about gotcha games and mobile games and whether or not people will just start kind of moving that direction. So if I'm Microsoft, my advice might be don't, don't immediately start looking like a mobile game uh, to the best that you can avoid doing that because people will react strongly to that. That would be serious kickback. Um, one of the things that has really been kicking people in the back, <laughs> well, shout out to a dealer gaming segue, is the weekly MPD numbers and the global numbers for the Xbox. It, this is t- this is a really tough subject because PlayStation, I would love to hear Hogue on this one as well, of course. PlayStation has got this really bad supply problem with their chips yep. and xbox is doing really well as a platform uh they're not in a situation where they're just not selling consoles because nobody wants it they're really in a learning platform so they're selling great uh, i've got some numbers before i turn it over here sure. uh in north america <clears throat> excuse me the xbox is at one hundred eight thousand sales for the for the past i think this is for the month but these are weekly updated like a month so yeah i think they're they're updated by weekly so the the numbers were a little bit lower last week so for the month okay. uh 108,000 in North America for Xbox Series S and X and 65,000 for the PlayStation 5 which is crazy and analysts are expecting that the Xbox may surpass right now they're neck and neck in the North American MPD market that Xbox could surpass at this trajectory the PlayStation 5 in an era when you don't need an Xbox. All their games are on PC. Absolutely crazy. Gas. The UK sales for the Xbox are at 39,000 and they are at 41,000 for the PlayStation. So they have a slight advantage. And EU Xbox takes the advantage at 173 versus 144,000, which puts the Xbox at 30,000 worldwide sold in the past month. So okay. anyway, yeah. That's what's going on. If huge disclaimer, if you are to believe that VG charts guesstimations are anywhere in the ballpark, right? Because they have to get they have to do guesstimations based on retail sources and other. It's forty filters down by the time you get to those numbers. Yeah, no, I yeah. I, so what's look, going on, Hogue? How how is Xbox? I'd the, love to the tell you they were three? meaningful at all. Uh, I, I've t- I've been telling people for two years now. There are supply constraints all over. What we know is that basically every game console this generation, if we're counting Switch in this generation, 
is very, very popular to the point of selling out very often in many locations, which is a fantastic bit of news if you love gaming. You have three wildly successful consoles. Um, PlayStation is clearly the most severely supply constrained. They, they are just, they can't even make machines as well as they should be able to. Whether that's Microsoft doing better with factories and contracts or whatever, I don't know. I can't tell you. Uh, but I, I think what you should take is that the Xbox has had a big bounce back from last generation. PlayStation probably holding the same, but we can't really tell because it's supply constrained. So I, I, I always caution, whether it's console warriors or just fans of the industry, these numbers right now, post quotes, uh, pandemic, uh, they're just not super useful to compare the, the actual consoles. So everybody's mm-hmm. doing fantastic. Uh, I just got an S actually, which has wowed me. Uh, uh, in how efficient it is. It's such a tiny box. The S is so small. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I really like that product uh, as well as I like the X. Um, before so, before yeah. I go to Gaz about uh, these sales figures, I got to ask you, Hogue, if you could give us your your insight or your best uh, knowledgeable answer about the allegation that Microsoft is paying for chip priority. I'm, I'm sure there's a s- simple way to say this, uh, to your best. Is there an ability. allegation? I mean, I, look. So I, I, we don't know from outside looking in. Certainly, you can put in your contracts that you're to have priority slash most favored nation status in terms of treatment of delivery times or price or otherwise. Um, I, I don't believe Microsoft is necessarily going out there and bribing people, but they certainly had their ducks in a row when they were contracting out for their supply chain needs. Um, mm-hmm. So. If there's a quote-unquote allegation of some kind of Ill- illegality, corruption, or otherwise, I-, I don't know why you would think that necessarily. doesn't mean it couldn't happen. Uh, but in general, they're getting their boxes made better. Uh, and that mean- could mean they use different supply chains. That could mean they d- use different uh, vendors that are getting their stuff better to them. We know that their oh, architecture okay. is similar, but it's not identical. So there could be there could be holdups in various aspects of the PlayStation 5. It could be the Finns. We, we don't know. Yeah, they have a shortage of fins uh, that they can get into the factories to actually produce these things. I, I don't think that we can know that with specific details. Certainly I can't. Um, maybe somebody that's more logistics oriented or, or the mechanics of these kinds of things might be able to speak to that better. But there's no real reason to believe other than the figures that we can see that Microsoft's doing anything nefarious. It just appears that they had maybe a better logistics plan going in. Okay. Gaz, what do you think? What do you think is the reason that it looks like Xbox is pulling ahead so far against the PlayStation, which has some more of a market demand, really? Because PlayStation is sh- and it's sh- <laughs> no, not at all not not at all excessive from gas <laughs> uh, no uh, shout out to Hoke for having the orange background, orange sweater, and orange drink. I love it. <laughs> Bringing their energy. <laughs> Who loves orange soda? Hug loves orange soda. I'll have you know this is a sparkling ice. Oh, yes, wow. I can tell, and those are delicious. I don't know what that is, but that's sounds. Wait, is nice. that? Are you are you sponsored by them, Hogue? We have to have full uh, disclosure. I should be. There's a couple sponsorships <laughs> that my channel should definitely have. Sparkling ice, I drink a lot. I cook a lot of food in a Tavala oven. Come on, let's get these sponsorships going. We, I'll, I'll, I'll get the paperwork drummed up All for right. you as soon as possible. So, Gaz, what the heck? How is Xbox uh, beating PlayStation in this, in these desperate times? I told you. I know, it's kidding. All, jo- <laughs> all joking aside, um, I think it's a combination of... I think the, the stock shortages are a massive player in, in that. That's the 
principal reason why uh, PlayStation is being outsold by Xbox. You can point at the sheer monumental levels of value you get with Xbox Game Pass, but subscriber numbers at 25 million, or even if you say 30 million, aren't enough to justify, I think, uh, but the kind of disparity, I'll say disparity, but lack of sales in the place. You're like, what the hell just fell in your background? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just keep the show going. It's happening all day. Come on, I man. Just, Stay uh... in the scene. This is the tape gas. Come on. Oh, shit. I just saw Wait, it on the I... replay. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, just... Let me hold your thought. I, I, this is crazy, but I got these disc plates. They're gigantic aluminum signs. It's not a commercial. They're huge, and they stick up with double stick and magnets. And they have fallen off so many times. I do not recommend this product. I came it's in this morning. Not thing, it knocked down my controllers, <laughs> knocked down one of my records, which is a glass frame. I'm surprised it didn't break. I came home. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> they're, they're not reliable. So it yeah, knocked okay. down uh, one of my decorations, and I can't get it to stay up because everything's been shuffled. Keep doing the show. We move on. It's dangerous in here. I'll get to be headed by one of these things. <laughs> not buying a display thing then thanks for that um, there you go. <laughs> uh, no but uh, back to the point it really is the, the stock shortage product. but the problem is um, and I really am a true believer of uh, day early day momentum really picking being really instrumental in the long term success of these consoles I saw it with the Xbox One and it's blundering early on for sustained periods of time but that just caused all that momentum in favor of playstation and it really adversely impacted uh xbox and with the xbox 360 generation that one year head start although that was quite stark was pivotal for its success and the same kind of logic logic can be applied here because if this maintains itself, if you still have PlayStation, not that many PlayStations out in the wild, it's just more incentive for people to get more Xboxes. Game Pass, Xbox really need to take this opportunity. This is a rare opportunity where it can go ahead and just market Game Pass, Xbox, and take advantage of that because the mind share is limited to the number of consoles out there, really. Um, so people are going to naturally get frustrated. And I've had conversations with loads of people who aren't big core gamers like uh, like us and Mm -hmm. They say, hey, look, I can't get out of PlayStation, which um, uh, there's two Xbox. This is how the naming convention is so rubbish. Which should I get this Xbox? There's a white one. There's Xbox One X. There's an Xbox Series. Which one's the new one? Because I want to get yeah. that for my kid or whatever. Sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. If Xbox can beat PlayStation, if the numbers are so bad with their supply constraints to me that it could potentially be something that could have... Xbox could one day even beat PlayStation worldwide if this is, uh, sustains for long. The number, the divide isn't that wide, but yeah, Xbox right now needs, it's not. Xbox needs to do better though. With their it, game it's releases. also not about who beats who, like, right? It, it's We're in a situation where you don't need an Xbox, but when you said, like, when they go to get a PlayStation, this is the argument that pops up online a lot, right? Like, oh, they're just settling for a Series S or X, but um, I was at a store where there was like five Series S's at a Target, and there was like twelve switches in the cabinet. No PS5, no X, right? So the difference is, is if someone's at Target and says, "I want to buy a new console," and they're like, "Well, these are sold out." The, 
your regular store employee that works in the electronics department is no longer saying, yeah, I wouldn't get an Xbox. And that was the thing last generation. I think that probably happened quite a bit because I think it was well known. The Xbox wasn't the best place to play. Uh, just get a piece of PS4 because you could get anywhere. But um, that's the difference. Is Xbox has built this situation where you want to get an xbox even though you don't need one it's so crazy shout out to spooky sprocket in the chat uh he says gaz how hot is the sauce tonight uh shout out to him he is amazing very hot tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> is very hot i can't wait i'm gonna be waking up to your video going uh going live but yeah shout out to the chat um yeah interesting numbers with the uh oh what do you think um they got this situation where they you don't need an Xbox, but they're selling well. So what is Xbox's big what what's their advantage right now? I actually think the S is their advantage. I, I think the S is a comparable price to the Switch. I think it's small, uh, and I think it mostly plays everything as well as certainly a casual observer of a video game would want as compared to the X. As you pointed out at the target. The one thing that PlayStation 5 doesn't have there is a PlayStation 5 alternate to buy. Uh, if yes. you want an Xbox, you say, hey, I came here to buy an Xbox. You have the S. And I don't really think the advice should be, well, you should wait out to X. Um, certainly, if you want to, you can. Uh, but I, I've been very impressed by what the S puts up on the screen. Uh, so I think that they have a viable mid-range, essentially switch price competitor that does just about everything that you would want. If you're not like a really, really invested gamer that wants like everything 4K or 60 frames or what have you. Um, so I think that's the key to their success. I think that's helping their numbers. I think that's helping their availability. And I think when you do get down to it and say, hey, I want to play some next gen looking stuff. The S is a pretty good alternative if you can't find an X or a PlayStation 5. So I think that that yeah. was a very, very smart split that they did when they announced. It's Much more effective than the digital disc for the PlayStation 5 side. It is so, it's so crazy because people don't want to count the Series S, but you nailed it. Like that $300 price point. And I also think when you said like, should they wait, they shouldn't wait on an X. I think a mass quantity of the people buying a console at this point already knew they needed the X and they probably got one in the first year, but now they're becoming a little bit more available. So it, it really comes down to if you're going to notice the difference between the resolution and I talked to somebody way high up in Xbox that said once these games become these games become next generation and more CPU bound with super resolution, the Series S will become so perfectly fit, even against the PS5 for <laughs> yo Donnie Kazada, you crazy person. Uh perfectly <laughs> suited for uh <laughs> That casual market. The casual market is the market. It's like what's where you sell everything. There are probably people like come us. With? S comes with what a thousand V bucks and some Fortnite skins, right? I mean, like they're, I bought, they're aimed yep. directly at where they're aimed. Uh, yes. So I mean, I, I think I think it's a very very smart product. Um, and yeah, they've been working on kind of back end bells and whistles since FPS boost and auto HDR. And it wouldn't surprise me if they have more of that gamesmanship as you do move forward into the generation for the S to show off. So I really think that's their key to the kingdom right now. I think they lucked into it a little bit. I don't know that you could anticipate that there's going to be massive supply issues across all of electronics, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. it was a very wise move to have that product offering be available. Yeah. And they can make two for every X. So they're, they've got a, 
You've got so many series S out there. They're selling you. Donna Quezada says <laughs> best gas fun, hot girls and boys. 98 plus video. Ch- he's, he's riffing off of the bot that shows up on all these podcasts, but he says, just kidding. Metro Exodus gold edition on Xbox live global key. Let me know who gets it. That game's fantastic. It runs at 4k. It's got ray tracing even on the series S I think. So I actually funny, really, man. really good one. What, uh, what was the other one I missed? Oh, uh, Wolf Assassin, who's been a member for 11 months, says, Hey, guys, I know Miles Dompier said acquisition season is over, but I'm throwing it in. This is such a funny comment when I think about how these are framed. But he says, How would you feel about Xbox acquiring Hazelight Studios? This is a team that made the phenomenal It, um, it Takes Two. Uh, one of my favorite games last year. I think it was last year. Time flies when you're yeah. playing so many games. Um, this is a, such a funny discussion about who do you think Xbox is going to buy? Who's PlayStation supposed to buy? I just got to say, I just got to put this to rest. All we can do is just hope and dream and wish because we'll never know who they're buying Hulk. until it's Hulk. official. I want to talk to Hogue about this acquisition thing. Hogue has two lawyers. I just feel I took everything you said on board about this being a largely political process with the ABK acquisition. I do say that. Set- <laughs> you did say that. You did say that, and it's great. Imagine it to be that exactly that. Yeah, I still think if we, I was going to give it a percentage, I would say ninety percent. It's going to go through. That's what you're saying, guys, huh? I'm currently rolling seventy thirty on my channel, uh, and, and it okay. going through with largely seventy. The seventy percent there includes a consent decree that might have some minor restrictions. Uh, but nothing that would change it significantly. Um, so, yeah, you know, you ask about haze light. I, you know, I, I, I want, I want some people to negotiate for uh, Mercury Steam. Uh, but um, yeah, these smaller companies probably aren't going to change uh, the analysis of your Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, when when I say that they're probably going to go on pause, you could probably squeeze in a haze light if you wanted to you could probably squeeze yeah. in something on the smaller variety in the hundreds of millions of dollars if you have to use a b mm-hmm. probably no um so no no bees microsoft no 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 bees <laughs> in your acquisitions uh, yeah, but still made it yeah but but outside of that um i don't know that they want to i you know one of the things that i i say this is so i don't know about your content but my content i put up a video youtube takes it wherever it takes it And then I'm called a shill or a pony or an Xbox or a hater, <laughs> depending on whatever the opposite or whatever I just put up there, right? So yeah. I had a I had a video that resulted in me being called a, a a massive Sony pony, which it hasn't happened a lot in the most recent past because I've been criticizing them a little bit more. Uh, but I, I I'm significantly concerned about Microsoft's transition into managing 34 developers at once, um, just yeah. because I've I've been in the business of helping companies grow and, and helping consult for them a long time, there is mm-hmm. a transition cost. There is a process to increasing your size and increasing your size massively. You might think, think Microsoft's a Titanic company, Rick. What are you talking about? Yeah. Gaming is not. And, and it's a separate vertical. And in fact, it's a very new vertical. They just reorganized to make gaming a full vertical at Microsoft. And, and that needs Phil and his lieutenants, whatever that's going to look like in terms of the management structure, to manage not just what was once like six studios, then 15, it's jumping to 34 at the same time that they're trying to digest the most recent giant company that they just ate, uh, which yeah. is ZeniMax and Bethesda. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 
I look at this and, and say, if I'm Microsoft, yes, if it's an obvious ROI, if it's just too cheap on the market, if we think Tencent or Sony or whoever is going to jump in, then you find the capital and you work with it. That's really what happened with Activision. But if outside of those circumstances, there's just somebody sitting out there doing their thing. Right now, the most important thing for Microsoft to do is to make sure it can manage its companies, to make sure it's got its pipeline, it can manage that pipeline, and it can figure out one thing that I think has been their problem for a little bit of time now, which is Phil Spencer, in my opinion, clearly likes a soft-handed touch for his development studios, likes to let them realize their own vision, likes to let them do their own thing, and that's going to work for a number of studios. It's going to be great for a number of studios. It's not going to work for all of them. Yeah, and you're and you're seeing that right now. You're seeing we issues yep. with various bits of the Microsoft empire. And if you're a Microsoft fan, if you're a video gaming fan, the one thing you don't want to see is mismanagement at a company that now controls 34 developers and some of the biggest intellectual property in video gaming. So you want them to get their ducks in a row. Everybody, PlayStation fan, Nintendo fan, Microsoft fan, should be rooting for them to make sure that they've got a smooth output, that they figured things out and that they can get going with that before you say, wouldn't it be great if they have Hazelight? Wouldn't it be great if they have yes. Wouldn't it be great if they Very have all the Square Enix? So when we talk one about of the saving, things, one of the saving graces, One of the saving graces of this perfectly put point that Hogue is like setting the stage for this discussion so great. One of the things that we are always kind of looking back when you talk about management is that Bethesda, they, they brought them on and they're like, they have their own publishing, they have their own marketing, they have their own management. We're just going to bring them in. They're going to create content for us and we'll let them self-manage as they have. On the other hand, Activision, Blizzard, and King have their own management. They plan to let them self-manage and self-publish as they did, but bring their product to the Microsoft gaming platform. But... <laughs> Activision and Blizzard are the ones that have the skeletons. They have the difficulties where you said it so great, where I think Microsoft and Xbox know which studios they want to leave alone. Double Fine, Ninja Theory, Obsidian, right? There's okay. these studios and Playground, just right? Thing. Yeah, King yeah. Just so they, they know King, their King studios that are going to do really great. But there are some <laughs> studios, right, Hogue, that they know we need to keep an eye on them. So I think they have to they have to have a different, like they have to have kid gloves over here and they have to have a firm hand on other studios. So and we haven't let seen me a- Phil wield a firm hand in any respect that I can remember, which doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, he did with platinum. Up. He did with platinum, but that was a while ago. Well, Platinum's not his. Yeah. Platinum kicked to the curve, which is fine. It's easier to do that with licensors and licensees, right? It's easier to say, you know what? This isn't working out. This is not yeah. yours. Okay. You're the buck stops with you. Um, and, and we do have these things like what, what is, what, what is happening with crystal dynamics? What, what is happening with perfect dark? What is happening with rare? They were making a game about a spectral deer and then it didn't have gameplay. And now they're making a game about a spectral deer and they're working on different gameplay, whatever rare do your thing. That's fine. Uh, but if you're, if you want games, if you want great games, there's, it, it, it requires a deft hand and an, and a, a view towards these companies that can determine what it is that they need and say what you will about Sony. They've, they've kind of got their seven studios doing what they want uh, on a fairly regular basis. Very, very clean pipelines. It's in fact, one of the reasons that they're probably slow to move too slow to move for the market is they don't want to, they don't want to unbalance things uh, at Sony. Mm -hmm. Microsoft's taking a little bit more of a, 
you know, snake that ate the world since we talked about so much God of War before. And they're just yeah. going to buy things and they're going to figure it out. I think they can. I have a great deal of faith that they can right this second. Uh, I worry because it's like, okay, you guys have to realize that there are different ways to handle this. That if you're Disney and you buy Marvel and Lucasfilm, they need different approaches. They do. Uh, and, and so I hope that they get there. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 ultimately where my concern lies. I think that they will. I, I actually do have faith in the way Microsoft is being run. Uh, but the sitting from afar, they need a stronger hand for a number of their companies. And I hope they give it to them. Yeah, we're asking uh, my group that I that I work with on YouTube and the RDX guys, and we've been talking like, where is Matt Booty? Like Sarah Bond has a very strong presence out front. Phil has a very strong presence out front with the community. That it seems like they're they're checking out and and gauging how things are going. But we don't hear from Matt Booty, who is the one who's supposed to manage the core studios. The, the like the, the original 7, 14 15, or fifteen. Right? Yeah. Fifteen, yeah. Um, I really got to take get you into this topic. I'm going to start off with Gaz first. Some of the concern that's coming up recently, Gaz, is Bobby Kotick is supposed to be on the way out when this Activision Blizzard merger closes. There is some ambiguity, or there's some answers questions. You know, questions unanswered. Have you looked into what's going on? Because they're not happy with where he sits right now. I don't know if you've looked into Bobby Kotick and his exit strategy see i think and hoga may may probably agree with me here i don't know but um that's a sensitive <laughs> topic <laughs> uh, i'm committed um, now <laughs> you're committed now <laughs> you're committed to agree uh, i see i these statements i think bobby got some today they came out saying that wasn't even discussed or hasn't been discussed at length but i cannot see that's to me is unconscionable that that issue with Bobby Kotick and his leadership and the workplace, all that is intrinsically. Yeah. There's a lot more there and we're not going to really truly get an insight into those conversations because that's high level conversations, almost very singular, like handful of people in boardrooms talking about that exit strategy. It's going to be, it's definitely going to be a feature of the deal. I don't think I, I would be very averse to committing to any kind of statement unless it's a definitive one from like Phil Spencer or Xbox saying, hey, we are actually going to do this and X. And I just, I'll be shocked even if they did that, uh, right? As, as it's panned out, everything is vague and ambiguous for quite obvious reason. You know, the deal hasn't finalized. Can't commit to something like that yet. What I expect to happen. And I think what gamers expect to happen and almost will demand happens is Bobby Kotick leaves immediately after the deal is finalized. Um, and if that doesn't happen, that's a bad look for play, uh, Xbox. Even if Xbox can even, I I would say that Xbox are compelled the moment the deal is done to, if they can't do that because of whatever contractual obligations or whatever, immediately on the day of, uh, I always see things happening. Well, the, the day of that, the deal gets finalized. If it gets finalized, um, they will say, "Look, uh, in the press statement, we're, we're going to do all this, blah blah blah." Bobby Kotick will will be here for X number of months, and then you'll have to leave. Um, I think people demand that. I think it needs. They don't want a virtue signal here, but I think it needs to happen. I don't think Bobby Kotick's track record is good at all. Uh, but as lawyers here, we. 
you can't, you know, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to say anything more beyond that. <laughs> All right, Very Hogue, you you covered this on your ch- <laughs> you covered this on your channel, and I know that there's some up in arms, and I kind of want to gauge with the audience of what the current situation is and what you think is is underway. Yeah, so I did a video today uh, about this language that was identified as supplemental additions to the Activision proxy statement, which is the statement that goes out to shareholders to talk about whether or not they should vote up or down on the merger document. Um, And one of the things I said when I saw this language, which essentially just says Microsoft and Bobby Kotick haven't agreed to anything that'll happen after the merger. Um, And uh, that that was all that was added to one section. I I said, hey, I, I think I've seen that language before. And indeed, that language actually is in the proxy statement in a different place. One of the things that was happening today, the biggest thing, you know, this is the too long, didn't watch version of my 25 minute video <laughs> or what have you on my channel. But it's all of this, everything that happened today. And I'm not blaming Stephen Totillo or Axios or who, who identified this. I think that's great. I can't see everything. So that's fantastic work that he did. Everything that happened today was a response to the stockholder lawsuits about whether or not they were omitting to provide information in the proxy statement. Mm-hmm. So the, the stockholders of Activision came out and basically said, you didn't describe the process well enough for how you negotiated the deal. You didn't describe why you think Activision is worth much less than we thought it was worth as of November of this Yikes. year because they they created a new draft of the plan that showed exactly what they thought they would make for the next four or five years. And they said that was what was the basis for accepting Microsoft's offers, that that was reduced from what they thought it would be a month before. And then they didn't show enough data from their financial advisors about how $95 was a decent price. And so everything that got added today, all of the substantive changes to their proxy statement are designed around three things. One, explaining the process better as well as how it isn't corruption by the part of management, right? So they add a bunch of references that say the committee that approved this was an independent director, an independent director, and a non-independent director. So that's a majority independent committee. That's a big deal in American law. If you have a majority independent group of your board doing something, that's a nice blessing for most activities that a board can undertake. Then they reference things that say like Bobby Kotick wasn't promised anything, right? Because one of the big concerns that gets Mm -hmm. released online is that Bobby Kotick is manipulating this for a soft landing. They've already agreed to what that soft landing looks like, et cetera, et cetera. And so they just kind of elevated a bit of language into the section that was highlighted today that says, no, we didn't do that. You say it's unconscionable. I would argue that it's in the gray area of what actually happened and what they're disclosing to the stockholders. You got to be truthful in a statement like this, especially you're in the shadow of a lawsuit that you weren't truthful. So I think it is fair to say that they never engaged in what I would consider substantive negotiations of what an exit might look like or employment might look like at Microsoft. Instead, they left that to the side. Does that mean that Bobby Kotick doesn't have any idea what's going to happen after the deal is consummated? No, it does not. We all anticipate, and I think this is right, there really isn't a place for him in a combined company, right? Activision is going to be directly under gaming at Microsoft. They announced that as part of the deal. So they also announced in this agreement that he's got what we call a double trigger on a termination from the company, that if it happens within a year of a change in control, he gets all sorts of benefits. So the question, Gaz, isn't whether or not they can do it. The question is whether it's better look for Microsoft to leave him in kind of a CEO role inside Microsoft at Activision to avoid giving him a triple salary severance with these benefits that happen. Jeez. He's terminated within the first 12 months or whether it's just better to 
cut bait entirely. I bet it's the second one because it's it's just money when you've already spent seventy billion dollars. Uh, but like that's it's money that's in the, your own, and it's over. Like it's, when it's you say soft landing, do you mean that he goes out gracefully and doesn't have to go out like that's he what made, was reported made in the Wall mistakes? Street Journal. That's what was reported in the Wall Street Journal. Like what mm-hmm. was happening after the DFEH files its lawsuit, then the EEOC comes out, then the SEC comes out, then the Wall Street Journal hit piece comes out. Regardless of whether you think it's merited, it's definitely aimed at hitting Bobby Kotick's reputation. Then Bill yeah. and Satya pick up the phone. Two days after that Wall Street Journal article, that's when negotiations start. Bobby Kotick at that point in time is at his most vulnerable, and he's getting at that point increased pressure to just resign, which he's not going to do. And so the, the Wall Street Journal then comes out with an article a little bit later that says, well, he negotiated this entire deal for a soft landing for himself. And when I'm analyzing it in virtual legality, one thing I note mm-hmm. is that it's not a great negotiation. Like Activision is in a huge dip when they're negotiating this deal. They were at more than the, the purchase price at a premium that Microsoft is offering that same year before California yeah. sues them. They're trading at like 104 at one point in 2021. Oh, they're taking a $95 geez. price. I say, well, if I'm a stockholder, I might consider just winging it. There's ways that you can try to go get an appraisal from an outside source, even while a merger is consummated. And there's ways you could just sue over the damn thing. And that's what you are seeing now is saying, well, $95 might not be the intrinsic value of Activision, especially if you can jettison management, right? Call of Duty <laughs> is Call of Duty. King is literally printing money. Like they don't, they don't, yeah. they're, they're just making more and more and more money every quarter. King is the thing that nobody's talking about that is probably driving half of this deal because Microsoft right. doesn't have that presence with mobile games and free to play games. And they, they want that expertise the same that Sony wants Bungie's expertise. Things are moving into live services, moving into mobile. And so if when they you can get that this- price pushed up, what do they do? What happens, Hogue? Like, what if they can successfully sue or push and negotiate to get that price change? Because Microsoft is proposing this $95 per share, right? The shareholders, and then the shareholders don't have the capacity to negotiate the price. So when we talk about lawsuits and we talk about these kinds of things, they have a sledgehammer. They can blow the thing up. And that's the leverage that they have. They can go and they can oh, okay. say, look. We believe you breached your fiduciary duty because you were too quick to negotiate this. You told them what your top end price was in your first phone call, Bobby. What are you doing? <laughs> Nobody who negotiates the contract. Bobby weren't wingy. We think it's going to be, you know, <laughs> somewhere between here and 105. Well, you're not getting 105. You're certainly not getting 107 now. So, you know, you, you're doing some weird things in negotiation. You're settling on a number that the board authorizes you to settle on, but that we fully believe is under the control of Bobby Kotick based on its composition, based on how it's acted, et cetera, et cetera. And you're agreeing to a number that there's going to be at least a little bit of friction on. Now, does that mean that I think the shareholders aren't going to vote it up? I do think it's going to be approved at the vote in 10 days. So at that point, once a majority of the shareholders approve it, it's very difficult to win any kind of complaint at a shareholder level. So it's really just biding okay. for time right now. But long story short, they can't affect it at that granular level. They can't negotiate that deal separately. Uh, they can just say, the board didn't meet its responsibilities. It violated its duty of care in terms of the process. It violated its duty of loyalty because you're favoring management over the actual shareholders that own the company, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of lawsuits right now flying around because in any big deal, they always fly around. But ultimately, I think this deal is going to be approved by the shareholders on 428, and it's going to be announced as approved by the shareholders, I think they said the next week, the first week of May. So that's going to happen, in my opinion. Uh, and then things move okay. forward from there. Then you go with regulators and everything else that we've talked about at length. 
So that pushes the next step to the FTC and then the EU would be the next step after that? Uh, no, they'll happen simultaneously. So oh, the, okay. the jurisdictions are all going to look at this thing at once. And Microsoft has said there are 17 that need to approve uh, to based on their worldwide presence, but that they're only really worried about four. And that's the US, that's the UK, that's the EU, and that's China. Uh, and realistically, China and the UK are unlikely to stop this. So it's really the US and the EU. Uh, the EU okay. tends the EU tends to be slower than the US. They tend to come in last, and that's when the deal actually gets closed. You'll get you'll get a notice that the EU approves, and then like a day later, it'll close. They're generally last uh, in terms of this process, uh, but they are worried about the FTC clearly, uh, and uh -huh. I think with good reason based on what we're seeing coming out of there. Not because I think they have an antitrust problem. I mean, I think that's the distinction that people have to understand about law and politics and everything else. If I'm just sitting here looking at this, analyzing it from a Sherman precedent act, from a Clayton precedent, everything else, I'm saying they're probably fine. However, you have to take into account the political situation. Uh, and the yeah, FTC yeah. seems to want to present as activists and hammering tech companies. And when you've got that, you've got a recipe for potential problems. Okay, I got a super chat here that goes towards uh, the direction of gas. Boba Fett Gaming says with a... Australian five dollars says, "Does Microsoft get crucified if Bobby gets off relatively clean?" Um, well, like, does that look bad on Microsoft? Constitutes relatively clean, though, because ultimately he seems to be getting a massive payout one way or the other. I think mm -hmm. eventually, I mean, people will complain either way. People have already complained now that oh, that's not great. Bobby's going to get a payout, and they're complaining on that the mere notion of him getting one in the future. Uh, but really, the priority is to get rid of him as soon as possible after the deal is done, as far as optics are concerned. Um, Gaz so, yeah, is 100% right on this, by the way. And that's the one thing that people are struggling with because it's not necessarily what we would call fair. But because Bobby Kotick grew a bankruptcy company to what Activision is, because he has shares in that company, because he's not mm -hmm. named in the lawsuits against his company, uh, then what you're really talking about is if you want to excise him from all this, it's buying his shares. And buying his shares is going to net him a huge amount of money. So that was yeah. always a part of this equation. And it's not Microsoft's fault. Doesn't mean you can't say, hey, it doesn't look great for Phil to accept a Lifetime Achievement Award during the same time that they're speechifying about you know, getting toxicity and everything else outside, out of gaming. You are definitely giving the golden parachute. You are paying for it. You're constructing it. You're building it. You're, yeah. you're papering it with the money you're going to give Bobby. But anybody to. would have. If it yeah. wasn't Microsoft, if it was Tencent, if it wasn't Tencent and it was somehow Sony found itself with $70 billion, whoever <laughs> it was, was going to be paying for Bobby Kotick to leave. So yeah. he earned that in a, in a very important way in terms of the law. And so unless you're going to bring him up on criminal charges or something else related to the company, which is not <laughs> right. even in the offing, this is the way that he leaves. And it doesn't feel That's good. his money. It, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel good. I don't blame anybody for saying, you know, whatever they want to say about capitalism and everything else. But this is the way that you clean that company. And it was always going to look like this, whoever was doing it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And keep your questions coming. I'm going to ask Gaz and Hogue the questions as they roll in, because we talked about this quite a bit. And there's a lot of different angles that I know that us as consumers look at because Hogue has painted a, a pretty good picture about how this happens behind the scenes. But us as consumers, we don't look at it in the same way. Uh, Old Dirty Gamer was talking about the chip problem. Uh, I wanted to bring this up, but we got into a different discussion. But I, I don't know how this lands, but he says it wasn't a problem when PS4 bought up the DD4 memory 
and Xbox had to use ES RAM. From how I remember it, old Dirty Gamer, I think Xbox chose to use ES RAM and they set up the Xbox One a certain way so they could use Connect and they could put power here and put power there for all the multitasking things that the console did that PlayStation couldn't do. And it was their downfall. Boba Fett has a question. Oh, yeah, I got that one. Z- Zane Bashir with a $5 says, what if the vote doesn't go through? Can Microsoft try to rebuy the company or is the deal over? <laughs> uh, okay, We've so uh, realistically, this. when I say 70-30 on regulators, I, this shareholder vote is like 99-1. It might be 99.9 against 0.1. <laughs> I, yeah. It, Activision is primarily owned by institutional investors, which means that institutional investors are already responding to their own shareholders, which means they have fiduciary duties to other people's money. And so they have to justify the vote that they make. This is a $95 bid on what was a $60, $63 stock when the bid was made with management that is in free fall, a full on tailspin. Like there are a number of things that Activision could have done to not have their stock price be $63, even after California sues them. Management did basically everything wrong. And I have, whatever, I have (laughs) 70 videos on management responses from from last summer till now. I mean, they they came out guns a-blazing, accusing California of political intrigue against them and how dare they and all sorts of stuff. They they freaking put Jen O'Neill at Blizzard, then didn't pay her the same as Mike Ibarra. Who's running this show? Okay. So management screwed up a hundred ways from Tuesday. And so institutional investors are in, I can't imagine there's going to be an investor revolt. So they're going to vote. Yes. They own the company for all practical purposes. Done deal. So whether or not you like $95 or any of these other things, I, I can't even fathom them revolting. Now that I've said all this with such, you know, certainty <laughs> right. in my heart. When that 49.8 to 51.50.2 vote comes out, just remember I got it wrong. No, I, I, I think this is really <laughs> good. Sh- shout out for uh, Hogue for keeping it real for Hogue Law. They're, they're asking in the chat, do you have merch? Because they want to buy it up, bro. I have merch. I have merch coming to the channel. It's all on Teespring. It's all below the, the channel stuff. Uh, my fame, my, The phrase that I love, which makes console warriors hate me, is reasonable minds can differ. That you can have a reasonable disagreement with folks and that that is my absolute 1,000% philosophy of life. Uh, and so a lot of my stuff says that. Some other stuff has uh, – my favorite one is, you know, definitions of virtual and legality because, you know, I like to pretend I'm classy uh, when I'm YouTubing. Uh, but check those out, absolutely. Pretend. And, you know, yeah, leave a comment. Let me know what else you want because I, I I need to refresh that pretty soon, actually. Uh, I was going to see if I could bring up um, – just throw a link in the chat there for your for your merch. Um, the, the cool thing about Teespring is you can search for creator stuff if you know where to go. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll have to get that in there, but uh, that's cool. People are so supportive in this community, they're amazing. Yeah, that's um, lovely. Yeah, that is very, 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 very lovely. So, um, the deal, yeah, we, Hogue, when you were on, I hope it's okay if I call you Hogue. I like just calling you Hogue. I think everybody on the internet calls me Hogue. I've long, okay, cool, cool. I mean, nobody calls (laughs) you by my real first name. Uh, Jumanji, whatever. No, but uh, <laughs> holy crap, you're not Colt Eastwood. That's so funny because when I was at I, I for we went to family's house and they call me by first name and I'm like, Ugh, because uh, I've been uh, called Colt for years. Uh, so, but inside I'm kind of like, eh. but yep. uh, I, I don't even know what I was gonna say. But <laughs> I like your um, reasonable minds can differ. Dark hoodie that looks nice. Oh, there it is. Gaz got it in the Hoglaw store. 
creator on Teespring. Yeah, the Teespring's cool that way. So um, I was gonna. We talked when you were on my show a couple months ago. We talked about this. If the deal doesn't get approved, and there's this massive, I want to reset that. There's this massive fee that one of them has to pay. Right. Depending. Explain that, like in layman's terms, because yeah. So it could go it could go wrong one way or the other. I so suppose. we're we're three months in, right? We this was announced. We're exactly three months in. This was announced January eighteenth. And if you're thinking about this from the Activision side in particular, you're thinking, okay, if I agree to this, one, we know that Microsoft's a big tech company. We know seventy billion dollar deal is going to get reviewed very closely by the various regulators. We want them to be well invested in that process, and we're basically going on pause. Right. One of the things that happens when you sell your company or you agree to when you sign one of those agreements is that the, the buyer doesn't want you to do anything really, really big with your company. You can't sell off your assets. You can't make large changes in your business direction. And you're under this cloud of suspicion because of everything that happened last year, everything going forward. We see it every day when we discuss this particular company in this space. So one of the things if you're Activision that you negotiate in that term sheet and ultimately in the merger agreement is, look, if this falls apart for regulatory concerns, because we can't control that. We're only $70 billion, a lot of money, but we're not Microsoft. Uh, if this falls apart for regulatory concerns, you are going to pay us. And it's going to be between two and $3 billion that the, the penalty Microsoft owes to Activision. If the FTC were to swoop in and say no, then Microsoft owes Activision, depending on when they say no. So it's a date-based payment between two and $3 billion. If, huh. on the other hand, the shareholders don't approve, I believe is one of them. I would actually have to check the specifics here. I believe that's one of the triggers. If the board decides to take a different deal, if the board cuts out on the deal with Microsoft, if Activision causes the problem, they owe Microsoft a specific number. It's $2 billion and change, which I can't remember exactly. Yeah, uh, but good it's enough. huge, good huge, huge amounts of money to make sure that they are serious when they put a ring on it, that they are not just fooling around that they are actually intending to go walk down the aisle. So Microsoft and Activision are both billions of dollars invested in their relationship going through at this point in time. And if it doesn't work out, yeah, that's chump change for ultimately Microsoft's bottom line. But I will tell you this, no one doesn't care about losing two some odd billion dollars for no reason. All right. Even Microsoft. So that is, that is another very crazy question I got to ask you. Uh, sure. Like, so uh, if I'm following this correctly, if the EU, if it gets through through the uh, the EU doesn't approve it, like could yeah. this fall apart? Yes, like, it would be over. And who would have uh, to pay? It's not like that. It, they would be a regulator. If, if if so, if the FTC rules against it, if the EU rules against it, chances are that's actually going to lead to a negotiation of some kind whether or not it's a divestiture of certain assets, whether it's a restriction on what they can do with the assets that they buy. We don't know what that looks like. It doesn't necessarily mean they go straight to absolutely not, we're going to sue you to prevent this deal. Um, that that doesn't necessarily happen. It can in certain places. We saw it most recently in tech with NVIDIA uh, and ARM. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's not the most likely outcome. The most likely outcome is that the FTC or the EU tries to put forward what we call a consent decree which says you agree to these restrictions or this divestiture or whatever else the FTC or the EU demands, then it gets dicey with respect to the contract because if Microsoft thinks that it's overwrought with what they're asking, they can say no. And then there's an interpretation of the section in the contract about whether that triggers their penalty or not. Whole bunch of stuff happens that probably isn't worth going down fully the bridge because there's 70 million different variations of it. 
uh, from Jeez. here. But but suffice it to say, if one of the regulators steps in and Microsoft basically voluntarily says, no, that's not good enough, uh, they stop the deal, they're going to owe Activision money. Wow. And yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the bit that the restrictions that the FTC may add. I don't know how invasive they can be in levying those. As much but... as they want. So the thing about this, and that's what the people, like, uh, you heard, I think it was Michael Pactor say, well, maybe they'll restrict the Bethesda games. And people came out of the woodwork and said, well, that deal's done. It's like, no, no, you don't understand what the consent decree process is. Once the FTC decides, and they have to decide this in order to engage in this, they decide that the combination of Activision and Microsoft lessens competition in some important way. And I've said for a long time that if they were so inclined to do that, they would focus on cloud gaming. They would focus on cloud technology. They would focus on subscription services because those are nascent markets right now. Sure. If they built that story and said that was a problem, at that point, the FTC can basically ask for anything, right? Yeah. So the FTC can say, look, here's our weapon. Here's what Congress has given us. We can nuke the deal. At that point, if in time, they're afraid like, of the monster that is like uh, Xbox's gaming service platform, right? Because that's kind of a thing that the others aren't doing. That's what you're getting at. Like Nintendo yeah. and PlayStation don't have a big muscle in this um, cloud that's gaming only... service based thing. Well, we that's have to monopoly. I want to ask about. We have to hypothesize a little bit because you know one of the things we see is that Xbox has one of the biggest cloud server infrastructure technology companies in the world. So if they're using Game Pass as a front door to, to sell their cloud services, and then that's competing in a way that is seen as unfair because they're sucking up content and not allowing Amazon to fight or not allowing PlayStation to fight, not allowing PlayStation Plus to get off the ground. You can frame a story. What I've told everybody on my channel in Virtual Legality is basically, I think this is not a great story. But when we're talking about a regulator and they want to stop the deal, you can you could coax it into a story, right? You can You can figure out a market that would be monopolized by Microsoft in this fashion and it's killing mm -hmm. nascent competition and it's hurting competitors, et cetera, et cetera. If you wind up in that place, if the FTC has wound up coming to Microsoft, making a phone call, Zoom call, whatever it is, and saying, look, we feel we have the basis to block the deal, that moves the, that moves the parties to the table to discuss, well, what, what do you think we could offer you that wouldn't reduce competition? Oh, uh, Call of Duty has to be on both platforms. Oh, this is where the negotiation comes all, in. Go ahead. All mid games have to be on both platforms. This is where people come out and say, well, the ZeniMax deal is done. That's fine. We're not talking about deals anymore. We're talking about Xbox's assets yeah. and the FTC getting happy with what it looks like after it's done. Generally this. speaking, I'm against them doing anything terribly invasive, and I'd be against it on either side if this was a Sony deal. That being said, the FTC as it exists right now has a very new chairperson in a pretty new administration with an executive order saying be harder on tech companies and use antitrust law more to block yeah. deals, even if it's a false positive. Like, like that's the overall thesis right now in American yeah. uh, executive rule, which is why I made a video that said, you all need to understand, they might just decide Microsoft is the best target sitting in front of them. They don't really want Microsoft. They want Google. They want Amazon. They want Apple. But Microsoft is sitting in front of them asking for permission to engage in a $70 billion deal. And sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. So with the senators talking to the FTC, with the FTC making noises that they aren't actually just going to be looking at traditional antitrust standards, which we would call consumer welfare standards here in the United States, there is enough noise for me to suggest that we're down to about 70-30 because the FTC might just be way more activist than even I assumed as of three months ago. 
with just with with conditions like they could grab conditions like the Bethesda games need to be multi-platform. On we just feel Mark. like you need to offer them to PlayStation Plus at market at market rates. I mean, you could ask. It depends on the thesis statement that they have for what market is being a problem. But then, yes, the FTC can ask for anything because understand it's a consent decree. Microsoft has to agree to it. If Microsoft doesn't want to agree to it, the FTC says, "Okay, we'll blow up your deal." I mean, is this normal practice? You're asking yes. Xbox's own studios to spend time making a PlayStation version where they're looking at now we'll just be able to make games on the Xbox Scarlet, uh, GDK, and PC, and then we could just we'll, we'll be done with it. This is our employer. This None is who of we this work is standard. For. Insofar as gaming hasn't dealt with these kinds of questions as much, it's as all other new. Industries have right, but yeah, if you think about contracts, for instance, you think about MLB The Show on Game Pass, mm-hmm. right? That's a contract license term, I'd be willing to bet. Really, I'd, I'd, I'd bet my practice here. That that comes from the MLB that mandates that breadth of a Switch version and an Xbox version because they're trying to sell their own product. If you yeah. pretend that the FTC is in the same thing, that they're selling competition and goodness for all in America, then they can go and ask for Xbox to do certain things to help facilitate that if they want Bobby Kotick's company. If they don't, well, then they don't have to have the deal. But that's the nature of that leverage. There's not provisions put forth on what that negotiation would be. It's we will blow it up unless you agree to something that we put on paper and we agree to. I have to make a sidebar about before we kind of dive a little bit more into the monopoly thing, because I've talked to some really smart, level-headed people who tell me, people that I trust in how they look at things like this, who tell me, I'll start with Gaz first. (laughs) <laughs> that if this deal does not go through and Microsoft has to pay two to three billion dollars in 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 a uh, what would you call it a convenience fee, yeah, someone at Xbox for. has to roll. That's basically what what how it's been framed to me that uh, you I know you didn't say it that if that if they have to pay this fee, I thought he meant you said it too. I thought I thought no 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 no. Yes, you suck. No, the, the <laughs> stronger heads and the level-headed people I've talked to said that if this deal doesn't go through and Microsoft has to pay out, there's no way that someone that's involved in this deal from Xbox to Microsoft would have to fall on the sword and be and and have to take resignation. I don't. I don't agree I think with that asinine. at all. I think that's a crazy stance to take. You take an unprecedented move, and then you can't. Uh, well, maybe you can to a certain degree, but this appetite of the FTC, forgive me if I'm wrong, Hook, but this seems to be a very fresh one to set an example in the space. That yep. seems a, very you fresh. You're telling me that they're foreseeing that and that they had to try it. I mean, it would have been a boon for the Xbox brand if it did go through, but I don't see why it has to be a heads must roll. I mean, for, for God's sake. Satya. Satya's yeah. on those calls. They're, they're, this mm-hmm. is not a heads must roll. Satya Nadella is making this call it's not yeah. even phil by, by himself so yeah. i mean I, to me I, gaz has it exactly right this is they agree to that two to three billion dollar uh penalty one because they think it'll go through which i still got it at 70 30 right you don't want to be dealing with a 30 percent <laughs> risk but it's still my 70, 90 30. is now going down to 70 listening to you <laughs> yeah people are listening when you say 70 30 people are like clock clocked yeah, yeah. Go ahead. so but i have it at 70 30 right now and I, to me, you say, I can get Activision. I can get Activision on a dip, buying it at less than market price for the same year. I can get every IP that they have. Honestly, this is the guy at the craps table putting $2 billion down. 
And Microsoft is saying, we got it. We got it to spend. This is worth it. We think we can realize a whole lot more. And if we lose it, we lose it. Uh, but God knows if they do lose it, they'll be they'll be heads rolling. They'll be, they'll be people very upset. There might be lawsuits against the FTC. There might be Microsoft making huge press conference releases about how this isn't a fair way to operate. There might be nationalistic propaganda about how the FTC is favoring Japanese companies over American hardworking men and women. There could be anything that comes out of that particular toilet paper in other people's offices and all kinds of mayhem. Yeah. Who knows? Cats and dogs (laughs) living together. When you you get that far down the line, yes, they had the memo from Lena Khan at the FTC. Yes. They knew the Biden administration put out the executive order last year. The lawyers were not dumb on this. I, 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 lawyers can be dumb, but I'm willing to bet. The <laughs> lawyers in the room say, look, they have suggested they want to rattle some sabers. They've suggested that they want to come after things. This is not a lockdown proposition. The people that are online saying Microsoft's got great lawyers. This is a definite guarantee. That's not how law works, folks. You cannot guess at the minds of a regulator, certainly not of a new administration, certainly not one that has a new chairperson at the head of it. And, and one that has suggested that they want to see antitrust in a whole new way. Um, and so they would have advised Microsoft that says, look, there is a material chance. There's a non-zero material chance that this gets struck down. They didn't offer, by the sounds of things, in their own documents and in Activision's documents, they didn't offer a penalty to start out with. Activision demanded it to make sure that they were really pushing to have it go through. Because if it falls oh, apart, okay. if, they fa- if it falls apart, Activision has massive problems. Their stock price immediately goes down to what it was before, if not lower. Nobody can save it anymore. They're in the same management straits. Uh, And so you've got massive, massive problems if you're Activision. Activision doesn't want the $2 billion. They want to be done. Um, So there's a lot of people rowing in the same direction, but you cannot guess at what the FTC will do. The FTC is suing Facebook for deals that consummated eight and 10 years ago. So ridiculous. the FTC is is very activist right now. Some people are going to be entirely behind that. Some people are going to be against it. You know, I'm a corporate lawyer. In general, I'd like to see it, deals be more certain uh, for companies that want to engage in them. Uh, but as, as we look at this, heads will roll only if somebody's just particularly upset that day and feels like firing someone. Because otherwise, this is an educated bet as to what they see as a massive upside asset. Uh, and $2 billion is... Nothing compared to the the seventy plus they think they can realize. They wouldn't be spending seventy if they don't think they can make one hundred and fifty. You know, I mean, I, this is a, this is a chance for them to lock in certain important assets. I can't possibly see anybody getting too upset if the FTC does something that really, with in all honesty, as Gaz said, would be unprecedented. That's why that's mm-hmm. why people are online saying that they never do this. I, I've just seen too many unprecedented things when we start talking about executive branch agencies in any administration. This is not a Biden <laughs> administration thing. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, this, this isn't the crazy part. The conditions, the conditions that the FTC, one way or the other, this is how I see it, Hogue. Look, if your 70-30 is to be believed, which I do believe it a lot more than my 90 now, seems way too... Uh, sorry about that, guess. I'm sorry, you just... just <laughs> I feel guilty. Right, man. <laughs> Damn it. No, but... 70 is uh, still good. 70 is still more. 70 is still good. I, I, have, I have had lesser odds on the poker table, but um, I would say the the thing I would, based on this appetite for uh, political grandstanding or settling an example for the FTC or whatever, I cannot see uh, 
I cannot fathom this deal going through of this enormity of this size of this already getting political exposure from your senators and all that not going through even with the 7030 without conditions and uh, the question mm. i think would be what are those conditions because that could be fundamental to us as gamers because we have to think about what that means for us as gamers well, as well 30, as obviously- I, you know I, i've had to explain this a couple of times to me the 30 includes a consent decree that would substantively change the deal as announced on january yes. 18th something yes. that doesn't include the entire purchase or that changes or fundamentally what you think that microsoft is getting so mm. I, I do think there's there's probably another there's another chunk of percentage that you get the deal in some malformed mutant fashion that Microsoft <laughs> accepts because it's still more yeah. valuable than not entering into the mm. deal. Um, mm. But I, you know, there's there's a whole there's a whole host of restrictions that the FTC could ask for that Microsoft would be fine with because it would already be swimming within the lanes that they planned, right? Yeah. There's there's a whole yeah, whole like they could. A condition could mean that they're going to sell a bunch of games on PlayStation, right? Good. Outright. But generally then- speaking, the FTC should be avoiding, and I suspect that they would be, things that are just directly advantageous to another market participant. You, you, you're you, trying not to pick winners and losers if you're running an executive branch agency enforcing antitrust law. Doesn't mean they won't. Doesn't mean they haven't in the past in different circumstances. But the big risk there is that you're just giving PlayStation a bonus that they didn't they didn't spend anything for but, they didn't they didn't use anything but, for. But what about this? Like when we talk about a monopoly and how Game Pass it could be a massive platform that can't be competed. Um, every game that comes to Game Pass also comes to Xbox Series S and X and PC. So Xbox's games, and as I I I frame this very strongly when they had intent to buy bethesda was that xbox xbox's games are everywhere except for a playstation so when you talk about a monopoly they're talking about putting their games almost everywhere they're not locked out like if xbox's plan was to make this this streaming or subscription you know 9.99 a month here's our games and they're only here like netflix does xbox says our games are on this monopolistic uh, service-based platform, but they're also fully purchasable on Steam, Windows Store, and the Xbox Game Console Store. So, so how in out. the world can they fight for the the explanation or the justification that this platform on Xbox could be monopolistic? That me, needs to be answered. Let me start with the premise uh, that, one, I, I basically agree with your assertion that I don't think that this should be seen as monopolistic or reducing competition. Uh, that said, if you want to tell this story, if you are an FTC regulator and you're inclined to find this to be a problem, you're one level too low. It's not the games. It's not. It, it's it's the, service. the service and the technology, right? I, one of the one of the most recent videos I did talked about how this was being mirrored in some respects in the EU. Uh, the EU right now is investigating Microsoft for illegal antitrust activity based on its cloud services and effectively bundling and requiring other hardware operators to use certain aspects of their cloud services in a way that is untoward under EU regulation. Mm. Now that still hasn't progressed very far. That's in questionnaire mode. And I don't pretend to know the EU stuff as as well as I know the US stuff. They're having a questionnaire. They basically went and asked Microsoft to explain itself, uh, right? And so what I'm saying is if the FTC is so inclined, the easiest avenue that I can see for them to go that route is by looking at technology services and using content 
to create monopolistic positions in game subscriptions as a concept, the product. I don't actually care what comprises it. This is, yeah. this okay. is Game Pass as a whole and the technology that enables it. And so if you focus on those two things, PlayStation Plus, which only just got announced in this form, not a real competitor right now. And you can easily see how one that's inclined to do this argues, well, you sucked away one of the biggest things that there would have been competition for in terms of putting on your various services. It's not going to be available to the PlayStation Plus service. And so you are killing a nascent competitor before that market can develop. And you're not just doing it for that market. You're doing it to enable a monopolization, a monopolization or just anti-competitive position in your technology market, which honestly is what the US and the EU cares more about. They don't much care about where Call of Duty is. They do care about technology and infrastructure. So which technology, the Azure and Azure? The... Well, Azure is a portion of it. It, it. Yeah, I call it just the cloud computing part of it. Azure is the biggest part that Microsoft has. And again, remember, Congress is really concerned about Amazon and Google and everything else. That's one area mm -hmm. where they actually compete uh, is, is that cloud services infrastructure. So again, I find myself having to sit here building a case for what this would look like in practice, because mm -hmm. I don't I don't think it's a good argument. But when you say, hey, the games will be everywhere, it's it's very unlikely to end on the games. That's what Microsoft keeps yeah. trying to frame it as. And I think that's right. Microsoft says third in revenue, even if we add them, games are everywhere. We're doing our part. It's not games. It's the service <laughs> and it's the technology that you would go after in this, particular, in this particular way. And again, if this happens, if the FTC actually makes this threat to Microsoft, we actually won't hear about it. If they start going to say oh. to you, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. How do we know? When do we know? You'd hear if they do. If, if, if they came to blows, basically. So I'm oh. going to go to the most recent one that we saw uh, because I, I, I think it's the easiest way to kind of articulate this. I did cover this in virtual legality, but we saw NVIDIA try to purchase ARM and the specifics don't matter. The FTC rejected it. Then the FTC sued to block it. And one of the things that came out with the defense answers from NVIDIA was, hey, FTC, we've been talking to you for months about the ways that we were going to agree to not have an anti-competitive position. We were going to promise to offer armed services to all of our competitors. We were going to promise to not lock out X, Y, and Z. And you get a very transparent, unusual kind of look appear into how this works, which is for months before that lawsuit kind of went down, Arm, uh, NVIDIA is desperately trying to offer the FTC things that will let them buy this company. And the yeah. FTC basically says, nah and then sues them. And so what's going to happen is if the FTC makes a move against Microsoft and says, look, we want to block the deal, but we need a consent decree, which I agree with Gaz. I think even for optics, the FTC is going to want a consent decree. And you'll be able to tell when it finally comes out whether or not it was just optical or not. But I think they're going to ask for a consent decree. That's one of the reasons why you see Sachin Adela very early on say, yeah. we think we are great actors in the marketplace and fantastic <laughs> citizens of Earth we do not need a consent decree to do what is right for all. Our games are everywhere. <laughs> well, I made fun of it a little bit because they just come out of nowhere with like a call of duty shall be everywhere. We are entirely in favor of openness for everyone. No one needs a consent decree. And I'm like, okay. So that's the opening volley of Microsoft's PR. That also <laughs> that's what you that saw would, that, that that's that, what you saw that week. Yeah. Yes. That's I the opening that. volley. And that's also telling you a very important thing, which is that the FTC is actually putting pressure on them. So they are already engaged with conversations all the time with the regulator. They're asking for information. They're getting it to them. Maybe they're upset about what they got. They're doing all sorts of things behind the scenes. They will be the first to know if the FTC intends to put real 
requests and restrictions on this. And that will be a discussion that is had behind the scenes without us knowing, generally speaking. Realistically, so, when do you think the deal will go? Because some people are saying it was going to happen this year. And I thought I found that unconscionable. I said it's going to happen next year. I like yeah, spring of next year. Spring of next year. Okay. Uh, I, like I think generally speaking, when you're putting things together in like a, a document like we saw in January that says, hey, we hope to get it done by summer of next year. Uh, generally, that's trying to have uh, a bit of a buffer uh, for what you think you can actually get it done on. Uh, but certainly, even at that moment in time, this is definitely part of that first video in the playlist when I'm like, oh, my God, they bought Activision. Uh, is is uh, is saying, yeah. look, nobody puts this is going to close a year and a half from now if they don't know they're going to get all hellfire from the regulators. Microsoft and Activision both signaled immediately that they knew this was going to get a whole big process from these various regulators. Yeah. Uh, Hargi Chani asks, uh, could ABK hypothetically acquire someone before the Microsoft deal finishes? It would have to be consented to by Microsoft. So part of the merger agreement that you see is essentially a whole bunch of what we call covenants, which is because we're lawyers and we like to use fancy code words. Those promises. are promises that one party makes to another. And so Activision mm -hmm. has basically made a series of promises that say we aren't going to do anything to mess up anything. We're, we're not going to spend huge amounts of money outside the ordinary course of business. We're not going to sell our assets off from under you. because They can't shut down studios, right? We're not going to. Or can well, they? So again, what they've got is because they've merged one. They've got a broad-based ordinary course of business, right? So that can encompass a whole bunch of things that would ordinarily be done if they were just operating outside of purchasing Microsoft. But in general, if you were sitting in front of me and you're Activision, uh, I would say it's inadvisable to do anything super wacky, <laughs> closing closing studios, doing various things. I don't know, unionizing mm -hmm. one of your studios. That kind of thing has to go through consent process from Microsoft. And Microsoft has already signaled because it's the politically right thing to do in this current environment that they're not going to get in the way of Raven unionization, but they're also not going to help it out. So there's all sorts of things happening. But basically what you need to take away from it is Activision has promised to be as close as possible to the Activision of January 18th, 2022, at when they finally actually sell the company over to Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And everything that deviates from that is going to require Microsoft's permission right now. That's crazy because they don't own them because um, Vicarious Visions was folded into Blizzard. Help me out. Blizzard. Yeah, Blizzard. Yeah. They became part of Blizzard. That made me sad. Vicarious Visions was really doing good stuff. Both yeah, with the Diablo cool. 2. The Diablo 2 remastered was fantastic. I think they did the Spyros. I want to say they did the Spyro remasters. Uh, they used I to make uh, the Crash Bandicoot uh games i think they helped with tony hawk i can't remember i covered that stuff a long time ago they but that is kind of a strange thing that they fold a studio in and microsoft has to say we'll allow it yeah well vicarious was before that vicarious is part of the gen o'neill saga that activision was just screwing up from beginning to end uh, but but yes if they were to try to do that same thing now if you were to say hey we're going to take uh high moon studios and fold them into um, I don't know. Sledgehammer. Don't that would it. that would require consent. Yeah. I'm just okay. trying. I'm just trying to remember Activision subsidiary names. I got two. Those are both on. Nah, you're, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Let me grab a couple uh, supers here. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to remember some of these studios, um, especially as they move around ownership all over the place. The one that I always forget is that Embracer owns Gearbox now. I never remember that one. Yeah, I mean, we got to do it. You yeah. just have to Google it once in a while. Uh, Lord Star Killer, thank you so much for the $20 super chat. It says Xbox is so much more competitive this gen, and sales show this. Thanks to Hoglaw for all the great info. Watching the Nuggets and the Warriors game, too. I like and, that. Uh, Sports and podcasts. Good. 
That that's the best. Yeah, uh, appreciate that. Thank you so much, Lord Star Killer. Yudana Kizada says Gaz is being humble. Go to gameondaily.com and check it out. Get the shirt that David Jaffe says smells great. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Gaz sent him a a really cool custom pipe. And a uh, was it soft? He smokes to this. Oh, he doesn't smoke, but you, in every video you see him chewing on it. It's like amazing for me to see him. <laughs> I actually saw a stuff. meme with him with your your pipe in his mouth that I can't describe yeah. here, but it was uh, in total respect for him and maybe disrespect <laughs> for someone else. But uh, I love it. He opened up the box. And he's like, "Oh, it smells so great!" Because Gaz, like, Do you know what? It smells so good. Uh, disclaimer: <laughs> the shirts that come from because the, the Teespring produce it, they don't. Oh, smells so great. I had to spray this on it. That's Tom Ford ombre leather. So if you're a man of discerning taste, actually, this is, uh, I think it's unisex, but it suits men it's more, got in some my like, opinion. But it's, it's got really some nice. gases, sessual essence right See, there. Like it can work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, my it gosh. yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yeah, uh, this is the XC Podcast. I hope you guys are having a good time. We've got uh, about 22 more likes to get to 500 to show a personal uh, goal of mine. I'm here with Gaz from Game On Daily. He runs an aggregate site, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And I'm also here with Richard Hogue of Hogue Law and, and his virtual legality team on YouTube. His one-man team. It's amazing. I say, I, you know, I do use the royal we a lot, but people ask me about that. And for the most part, again, it's my corporate lawyerness. I like to use we to discern between my individual and personal accounts and concepts and the companies yep. because, you know, you, you run a, a solo owned company and things like that. Uh, it's very useful. Corporate lawyer will tell you this to make sure that you're keeping things separate, uh, obeying those corporate formalities, as we might say. And the yep. company and then, has its own legal personality, so you should treat it as that. Get your that way, if Hogue says we like this game and you don't like it, he can say, "Oh, I was talking about the other guy." Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a good catch, all right. <laughs> That's virtually Gaudi's <laughs> opinion. It's not mine. You know how it is. <laughs> but, but you know, I did get all the achievements. But I don't know. I what, if what I can start I say? Talking like Gollum, just stop me, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, it's been a great show. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to the panel. And special shout out to these two for taking their time. And it's very, very late on the East Coast for Hogue. And it's even later for Gaz. I appreciate you so much. Gaz, this is your opportunity to tell the chat what they have to look forward to tomorrow. You've been working your butt off. Uh, Brag, tell them what's going on. Well, the David Jaffe thing was... uh going to be weaponized by me of course it was playstation fan was looking bad i will come for xbox fans as well like i have with halo uh but it's just this feature of this generation with playstation fanboys they are making it very easy for me to create content so david jaffe uh despite the fact that he destroyed his opponents if i can call him that i will be in satirical fashion, remember it's satire, and I'm sure that will come across very clearly tomorrow. So there's a very saucy video. I need to film the monologue. I literally rushed out in the middle of London filming stuff, and as I'm filming, as I'm recording, someone goes, yo, bro, are you filming your music video? I'm like, no, man. I'm literally in the middle of filming now. Oh, what is it, bro? I'm literally in the middle of filming it. You can literally see me screaming. He's like, it's game on daily. He's like, oh, okay, bro. I'm gonna subscribe, bro. I got you subscribe. I'm like, oh, wicked. You got to uh, put that in the very end. Film the thing. I'm screaming and I'm running late for your show. I had half an hour. The journey takes 45 minutes. I came in half an hour. 
no, you shouldn't say that as a lawyer. Um, but anyway, yeah, so great video coming coming your way. I hope it is entertaining for you. So let me know if it's crap or not tomorrow. But yeah, thank you so much. Check out GameOnDaily.com, the news aggregation platform. But I'll be delivering the source tomorrow. I can't wait to unleash it. It's 3.20 a.m. I might be in working on it. I've got work tomorrow. Don't tell my clients. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be fun. But you'll, you'll be a pleasure full capacity, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I, I'm, I can't. You, man. I don't think it's Ramadan. I'm in, oh crap, in 30 minutes. I'm not allowed to eat after that or whatever. So I can't even have coffee. So clients, I apologize. Don't sue <laughs> me. Um, but no, honestly, it's uh, that was a very long outro. Uh, but it's just, I stayed quiet for a lot of this because I just... I need to be a sponge when Hogue Law's talking. So yeah, I'm absolutely. absolutely. The, like, I'm I'm verbose person. No, <laughs> no, no, but you don't have to apologize for that because there's a lot of great information there. In fact, I'll be re-watching a lot of it just because you have great takes on it. So thank you so much for uh for, for just blessing us with your content and insights. As a fellow lawyer, I appreciate it even more. So yeah, thank you, Colt, for facilitating this trifecta of sourceness thank you everyone in chat and yeah please check out game on daily one word uh youtube channel yeah yodani and and the mods put your links in there and my jaw is actually (laughs) killing you guys keep me smiling hogue i love i love watching your content you have almost daily content on your channel which is not not a lot of people can do as much content as you do. Thank you so much for being here. The chat totally appreciates. They probably learned 97 things tonight. I know I learned 99 things. Tell the audience what the name of your channel is and what you have in the works. What's next? Yeah. Well, I thank you for saying so. I've, it's very kind words from both of you. I've, you know, I'm blushing here. I could blend into the wall at any moment, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we've, we've had a lot of fun in virtual legality this last month, because as I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm a corporate lawyer. We talk about business and law, but through the lens of the stuff you care about. So uh, very often it's video games. It's often pop culture. We talk about, you know, Spider-Man moving between Sony and the MCU and everything else. Uh, but most recently, I think four of my last five videos is me looking at the absolutely crazy Elon Musk and Twitter story, which yes. as a corporate lawyer, mergers and acquisitions trained attorney, the fact that poison pill was the trending worldwide topic for a moment in time, I'm never <laughs> going to get better than that. That's never going to make me any happier on Twitter. I'm retiring from Twitter because it's never going to be any better. I yeah. have talked about that at length. If you don't have any idea what a poison pill is, if you have no idea what even happened, last week we've now got a series and playlist on that i love talking about it that one is only going to grow because it's only going to get crazier because the board is acting crazy elon musk is acting crazy and on top of all that we've got activision blizzard versus california drawing in political corruption complaints against governor gavin newsom we've covered in this space so for the most part i treat the channel as kind of following up on various news stories and dealing with long threads and playlists uh, that I can elucidate, hopefully, various little aspects of the law as they come to fruition, right? So we talk about, hey, this is what it means when the NLRB is going to take up this uh, question of whether or not the Raven QA workers can associate in a union. That's a video. When we talk about what a poison pill plan is that the share, that the board of Twitter just adopted, that's a video. So if you like that stuff, that's all in virtual legality. I try to entertain while I talk about these things. They can sound a little bit dry, 
but hopefully that's coming across in these videos. Just today, I mentioned it in this video, we did try to break down what was happening with that Activision filing uh, and why it was both a big deal because they're fighting stockholder litigation and also not so big a deal because they were already talking about this stuff already. Uh, and if you like that kind of stuff, check us out. It's youtube.com slash hoaglaw. Also searching for virtual legality gets there. And if you like other takes of a different variety, whether it's about Michigan sports or other things that I just happen to talk about, uh, I'm on Twitter at hoaglaw. And as Colt was nice enough to bring up at the top of this video, I am a contributor at the Seasoned Gaming Bitcast, which is available every Sunday at 11 a.m., which I have to caveat does not include this coming Sunday. <laughs> so oh, there you go. We're going to have episode 200 of that BitCast two weeks from yesterday. Uh, it's going to be a big time deal, big time show. It is fantastic. I could not be prouder of what that show is becoming. So please do check it out if you are at all interested in talking about games with essentially seasoned gamers, older folks with analysis and law and business and that kind of thing. Uh, that's my pitch. And thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, thank you. And for those who are listening, audio only, that is H-O-E-G law. <laughs> if you want to check that out. Um, I know you know you can take all kind of guesses. Uh, <laughs> I, of guesses people there. spell it a thousand different ways. So I know I appreciate that spelling. It is H-O-E-G. You know, if we get popular enough, we'll start to dominate those misspellings, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah I really do appreciate right. it. Yeah, and uh, that do, all that does sound very enticing. I know the chat loves to talk about what's going on in the gaming, the business side of it, and yeah. uh, maybe a mature take with a couple of jokes here or there. This has been the Excellency Podcast. Thank you to over 900 people who are watching live, and the chat, the amazing mods, Udonna Kazada, and Happy Bomb for holding down the fort and making sure everything stayed relatively PG-13-ish. We really appreciate all you do for the show. This will be on demand on Google, Spotify, and Pocket, and apple podcast so you can check that out and also on demand on youtube thank you so much gaz and ho wave goodbye to the audience if you'd like to because we're on camera because hey that's what we do it's great it's good to be on here and see our smiling faces thank you so much guys we're gonna get hit the button so we are out of here i get these we'll goosebumps every time sorry the person for the altitude <laughs> there you go <laughs> there was no auto to tonight <laughs> thank you guys we'll see you next week this is the ecstasy podcast and we're have a good night peace